0: This is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At Dobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs.
1: For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is a Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 3-2 pitch by KK. Sway and a miss. He strikes out the side
2: to finish it off and does it in impressive fashion as the Cardinals win it by the final of 6-3 and they wrap up summer camp and opening night is on Friday.
3: Danny Mac. Yesterday on FS Midwest, as the Cardinals played their only exhibition game of Summer Camp 2020, brought to you by Camping World. <laughs> I guess that's gone now. It's, we've got one little tiny workout left for. Uh, so uh, basically, Camping World, all your free advertising from the fa- uh, from uh, Carrick and Smallman is, is gone. Okay, it's 7:01. Time check, brought to you by. Car-
4: just on this show. I know. How about that? What a streak!
3: Thanks. Yeah, it's, we started on May 4th. Today's July 23rd. So. Yeah, I've been on a roll with Character and Smallman. It's been pretty good.
4: I thought for sure early on you'd done that job for what eleven, 11 years, years, Randy. Yeah. That it's just muscle memory at that point when you're throwing to break. You know, coming up next in the fast lane. But every time Character and <laughs> Smallman, and, and leave it to Camping World to summer camp to be the thing to mess yeah, you up. Exactly. After you've given them so much love,
3: I have. I I should get a deal on a camper. You need
4: residuals.
3: I would think so. So thanks to Camping World for supporting baseball and. We want, we'll be out there at the Wentzville location.
4: <laughs> yes, thank you for supporting summer camp, but I have, I've am i never been happier to see a summer camp go by the wayside. It was great to see the Cardinals getting ready for the season and back in action, but I am ready for baseball. Peace out, summer camp. We're ready to go.
3: Tomorrow night's going to be fun. Flaherty against Joe Musgrove of the Pirates, a 7 o'clock game you'll see on FS Midwest. And Carlos Martinez pitched very well. Obviously, you heard Kim pitching very well. By the way, it's not KK Kim; it's either KK or Kim. You can go with one or the other.
4: That's what I thought, but everyone yeah. was calling him KK Kim, and I thought maybe that's something that he prefers. That that's KK's his nickname, and so he's he's just like, yeah, call me KK Kim.
3: Yeah, uh, no, I, I think KK is the nickname, but it's not because it's KK. his first name and last name. Yeah, you don't want to put. KK and Kim together; those are bad initials to have.
4: <laughs> Randy, as long as the K's indicate strikes, I'm good with it.
3: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's what he needs every single night. He needs he needs three of those. But
4: yeah, three is not really ideal.
3: Not, no, never. No. Uh, so the Cardinals win it. Paul DeYoung one for two with the home run and three RBIs. And Michelle, uh, it is Hot Take Thursday. Last week on Hot Take Thursday, what did you say?
4: I said my hot take for this 2020 Cardinal season is that Paul DeYoung, Pauly D, was going to be the most valuable Cardinal when this is all said and done. I said a lot of people are thinking it's going to be Paul Goldschmidt, but I think the Paul we're going to be talking about is Paul DeYoung.
3: And I'll say this, without equivocation – in the Cardinal Exhibition Games in Summer Camp 2020, brought to you by Camping World, Paul DeYoung was the MVP.
4: He was the MVP. After that two-run shot yesterday, <laughs> I did a little fist pump in my living room, Randy, and I went, you know what? I bought a lot of Paul DeYoung stock. I made a, I made a pretty significant investment in him this year. To, so to see him close out uh, Summer Camp 2020.
3: Brought to you by Camping World.
4: It was great. It was great. It made me feel very positive about that investment heading into the, the regular season.
5: Here's the Cardinal skipper, Mike Schilt. I think Paul DeYoung's gotten solid. And, you know, we, we use the word consistency. He's gotten, he, you know, since he's been in the big leagues, he's constantly improved in all aspects of his game. I know you're asking about the offensive side of it, but he's really been conscientious about being a, a con- consistent performer, defensively seeing the game, and he's, and he's really, you know, a, a smart player that now has even more experience, and he's used that experience to, to see, see the field better. So I'm super pleased with Paulie for that. I think he can carry that over to offensively. He's going to be more consistent with his approach. Um, he's been able to slow things down. He's been able to take the at-bat that is necessary based on the situation and the fact of the matter, he, ha- he happens to hit fourth doing it.
3: Fourth-place hitters that hit really well and play the field well generally win MVPs.
4: Exactly. <laughs> exactly, Randy.
3: <laughs> Meanwhile, the Cy Young Award winner in the National League, well, number two in the Cy Young voting, I guess, Carlos Martinez, four innings. <laughs> Two hits, one run, it came on a home run. He struck out three, and uh, Mike Schilt right now, pretty happy with that decision he made to put Carlos in the rotation.
5: Yeah, no, I think, you know, Carlos has always been a very good, I'll make sure I captured this right in his career. Um, He's always been a tremendous competitor. I mean, a tremendous competitor, and he's always had confidence. I mean, that's one of the things that I've appreciated about him, even going back to 2012. You know, this is a guy that loves to compete, loves big moments and loves and is confident in himself appropriately. Now what you're seeing is him keeping that focus consistently. And I do feel like he does feel good. He's recovering well. I think that lends to your question about the body language. And he's just in a good spot mentally and physically. And he's enjoying what he's doing. And I love watching him
3: pitch. I thought the key phrase there from Mike Schilt was that Martinez is keeping his focus consistently. Mm -hmm. If Carlos is focused, and I know a lot of people got on him for the hair thing a couple of years ago. And it just gives the impression that you're not only thinking about pitching when you're thinking about your hair. And I have no problem with it. But the fact of the matter is just watching him and watching the way he played the field, watching the way he would lose it. During the course of innings and not be able to throw strikes, that did lead one to believe that he wasn't consistently focused.
4: Sure, and um, to have that those sentiments being echoed within the organization mm-hmm. certainly uh, cemented those feelings in Cardinal Nation. But I I think a lot of it, Brandy, probably boils down to maturity. Yep, at some point. If you are that immature and you realize that, and and not to suggest that he was that immature, but with a lot of baseball players who've had success early, there is some level of immaturity that exists just by the inherent nature of the way that you've grown up. It, It just happens, I think, to a lot of young athletes. But for him to understand, hey, I didn't really listen to my superiors. I didn't listen to the organization, and it affected my career in some way. And this is my opportunity to gain back their trust and to gain back the role that I really, really desire he took that very seriously and he did everything they asked from a physical standpoint they asked he did everything that they asked from a mental and a preparation standpoint and i i always harken back to the winter warm-up when his demeanor just seemed different he seemed like a different carlos martinez heading into this season so for him to be able to maintain that through this very difficult and uncertain time during quarantine for crying out loud is a really positive sign that he'll be able to maintain it throughout the season and to see him out there dealing yesterday randy you can just feel the confidence that he has in himself.
3: Yeah. And, And I wonder how much of this, I have to believe a lot of it. There were always questions about Mike Matheny's, the detail of his communication with players Clearly, there was no doubt about what Carlos Martinez had to do to get back in the rotation. Right. And it was communicated to him. They maintained communication during the course of the quarantine. We talked to Mike Maddox about the consistent videos that he would get from Carlos Martinez. And if that carrot is set out there for you, and you know, or the carrot cake, as the case may be, and you know <laughs> exactly what you need to do to earn it, then there are no questions, right? You can't say, well, you didn't tell me because everything was laid out for him.
4: If the expectations are made crystal clear, you have a checklist of things you need to do. And you know that there's going to be a test, essentially, that you're going to be graded on this. You can't hide from it at this at this stage of the game, especially when you may have had some missteps in the past. And, you know, the microscope is that much that much bigger on you and the light is shining that much brighter on you.
3: So the starts tomorrow night. Every game is worth two point seven. Mike Schilt, how important is a quick start? You know, it's really, um, we're ready to play
5: baseball. We're ready to, we're ready to play. And, um, you know, it's about going out and being ready game one and, and we're ready to play on Friday against the pirates. And, and, um, you know, we're going to get after every single day and, you know, we're process driven. We, we, we understand it's a results business, but, um, I alluded to it earlier. We're just continue to be the best to getting better as the game goes, the series goes, the season goes. And, and, um, our preparation is we're ready for it. We're ready to go. And, um, We'll be ready on Friday and we'll we'll start the process in an official capacity. But you know, the groundwork's been laid and, and we'll just continue to do what we do, which is engage in preparation and look to execute and, and enjoy what we do.
3: All right, let's play. I'm ready. Yeah. So and I I do think that there should be greater emphasis. Yeah, at some point you have to emphasize, like we talked about. Like I have espoused, the the six game winning streak. And if you start off ten and ten and win six in a row, or if you start off twenty and twenty, win six in a row, and then play five hundred the rest of the way. The the key is to play, have a six game winning streak, but play five hundred outside of that. Joe Buck will be doing. The first game of the Fox season on Saturday. And Andrew Marshand at the New York Post reports that Fox is going to utilize virtual fans for the game. Virtual fans in the stands. It's designed to make viewers feel as if the telecasts are as normal as possible despite the pandemic. And according to uh, Brad Zager of Fox, he says the original concept sounds like something that would never even happen. Pie in the sky. But pretty quick after the pandemic hit, we thought we could be in a position to produce games without crowds. And they're going to do it on Saturday.
4: I think that that's a great idea. And why not? Why not try it? It's. It's already going to look and feel differently anyway. And I think that having virtual fans in the stand is something that from an eye test, fans might be able to adapt to quickly. It might just give you that, that little sense of normalcy pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool that someone can come up with
3: that. Yeah, some people are, are really, really smart. Really smart. It is Hot Take Thursday. We want your hot takes with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. You can just download the 101 ESPN app at no charge. Or you can send us a text via the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We also want you to know about the Blues. They had a scrimmage yesterday as they get ready to head to Edmonton and get into that bubble and try to win the Stanley Cup. Craig Berube on how it went. Yeah, m- pretty much the same as the last scrimmage. I think it's just getting our team to try to do things quickly out there with pressure and and, and, and stuff like that. Um, it's not going to be perfect scrimmages, especially against each other like that. You know, there's no contact really. And, you know, there's really um, guys aren't playing exactly the way they're going to play in the game. But it's just about getting up to speed, doing things under pressure, Um, you know, making some plays under pressure and things like that. They know what their game looks like, to use a Blues cliche. I don't think anybody should be worried about the Blues.
4: Nah, I'm not worried. But I also think Craig Bruby brings up an interesting point. We know the Blues, uh, their calling card is this really heavy physical style of play, and they can't really get in that rhythm with one another. There's no contact. The last thing they want to do is potentially hurt someone and or get within some sort of a, a distance. Just we don't want anything to happen before we get to the hub city. So there it's gonna be really interesting to see that un, unleashed for the first time when they have an actual opponent.
3: That's a week from Sunday, five thirty here on one oh one ESPN as they take on the Colorado Avalanche. And there are plenty of Avalanche to go out and hit and hurt.
4: Every single one of them.
3: Yeah. Now if you can catch McKinnon, knock him out, that'd be good. <laughs> but uh, kadri is uh, kadri tries to hurt enough people that i think the uh, the rest of the hockey world would be very happy if the blues would do something to him
4: are you very pleased that that is their first game yeah i am me too
3: yeah that, i think that's fantastic hot take
1: thursday get your texts and mike drops in it's coming your way next on 101 espn we are right back to the character and smallman podcast on 101 espn <laughs>
3: Before we, get, before we get to our hot takes here on 101 ESPN, uh, we've got a new feature at 101ESPN.com called Grilling at Home, brought to you by Budweiser and Schnucks. And I am the first person that gets to grill at home. So yesterday, I had uh, our staff over, our video staff, and I did my uh, three cheese mac and cheese and the carrot cake, and I didn't make the Juicy Lucy's on the uh, video, but I, uh, I had a pretty good time with Ben Vogelsang from our video staff and heading out to Schnooks and thanks to our friends at Budweiser. Uh, it's going to be a fun little series, and I think it'll drop. We'll tell you about it. I think it's going to drop on Monday as we make the carrot cake.
4: Well, uh, thank you, Randy, for being so generous and bringing in the carrot cake that you made. My, my diet doesn't really appreciate it, but well, I'm enjoying it. Michelle. This is the best carrot cake I've ever had, no lie.
3: I, I appreciate that, and just keep this in mind carrot vegetable you're fine
4: you're right this is my daily serving of vegetables randy thank you for that clarification here i was feeling guilty about it
3: all right let's get to our hot takes so you get things started
4: well randy my hot take last week again let's reiterate was that paul DeYoung and not paul goldschmidt would be the most valuable player when it's all said and done in 2020 for this st louis cardinals team and you know, not to toot my own horn, Randy, but after we saw him in action last night, he's looking pretty good heading into the regular season. It's pretty
3: strong take. Thank I like you.
4: that. Uh, we, are, we are, we've invested a lot in Paulie D this year, so please deliver. Yeah. Um, my other hot take, Randy, is that I think Mike Schilt is going to be the best manager in the National League. I think if you're looking at managerial war, he is going to be more of a positive X factor, causing the Cardinals to win than any other manager, but he's not going to win manager of the year. Who's going to win Manager of the Year? It'll go to somebody like David Bell, or you know they'll they'll give it to to more of a a newcomer, I think. And I guess
3: since Schilti won it last year, probably.
4: yeah, I was going to say since he won last year, they're not going to give it to him back to back years. He's going to get the Craig Berube treatment though, uh-huh. even though he deserves it and that he has made very smart decisions that a lot of other managers wouldn't wouldn't do because they wouldn't want to gamble. In that manner, I think that he's going to get snubbed and we're going to get
3: annoyed by it. I've got a couple for you. And we told you before the break, the uh, breaking news from the New York Post that Fox is going to use virtual fans in their stands on Saturday so that uh, it's going to look like they have full stands. Uh, The first take, Michelle, is that with this technology, the Los Angeles Rams have found a way to sell out SoFi Stadium and they're (laughs) going to use it.
4: Randy. But also, yes.
3: <laughs> and my second one is Mookie Betts gets a 13-year extension with the Dodgers, 13-year deal that will take him to age 40. It's worth 392 really $375 million because he's playing on a prorated basis this year. So 13 years, $375 million. My hot take is that for the back half of... Of that contract the last six years of that contract Mookie Betts will be bad he, he won't be average he won't be okay he will not be a good player from ages 34 to 40 he's 5'9 180 he plays hard he's already got miles on him at seven years in the majors and I just don't see a way that that body is going to be able to hold up over the long term. And so I'm saying right now, from the ages 34 to 40, Mookie Betts will be bad for the Dodgers.
4: That is such a hot take, Randy, because historically, those long deals have worked out great. (laughs) Really well. Really well.
3: (laughs) Hey, we appreciate your mic drops, and all you need to do is download the 101 ESPN app if you have yet to do so, and uh, give us your hot take with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature like Ryan has on 101 ESPN.
6: Good morning, guys. My hot take is that Tommy Edmund is just going to be an absolute spark at the top of the order all year long. I think a lot of people are expecting him to regress a little bit but I think he's just going to be awesome up there, steal a bunch of bases, be his source of energy, and eventually you've got Carlson and Edmund hitting 1-2 for you, just absolutely crushing it from both sides of the plate.
1: Great call.
4: I love that take.
3: I would love to see it. Me too. And if you have Edmund and Carlson hitting 1-2, switch hitters that can run, that would be a lot of fun. I do think that Tommy Edmund, and I know that people – generally believe that he's going to move around a lot Mm -hmm. i think he's going to be your third baseman
4: i think so too and you know as far as what the mic driver said about a spark we saw that last year we saw what kind of a spark he can provide to this team
3: so hopefully that's the case and he's been better in summer camp 2020 brought to you by camping world than he had last season he really had not had a great minor league career until last year so hopefully he kind of found the key and he's been able to unlock his talent
4: even though we think we're aware of Tommy Edmond I, I feel like he's still a guy that the national baseball fan oh. is going to look at and say devil magic.
3: No, no doubt. You get to the playoffs and they'll say, who's this guy? Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, text from the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Uh, this is a hot take from 314. KK leads the NL in saves. Ooh. Well, if the Cardinals. Here's the thing. He, he very well could. It all depends on the Dodgers. And if the Dodgers, if Kenley Jansen is effective, I think that's really the key because playing in the central and maybe Cincinnati's closer would have more, but playing in the central, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for wins. Yep. So I think that's a good call.
4: I like what we saw out of him last night in that position.
3: Yeah, he looks really good. And he does look unflappable, doesn't he?
4: He really does. Great demeanor.
3: Yeah. Uh, this from the 636. Uh, pretty hot take here. As soon as I saw that homer, I knew we would have to listen to Michelle babble about Paul DeYoung for three hours.
4: You know, it's way too <laughs> early for that person to be so angry.
3: <laughs> Lighten up. It was yesterday. It was
1: yesterday. As, yester- as soon as the ball went over the fence. See,
3: those are
4: the people I can't understand. How are you going to be angry about a two-run home run when we have Cardinal Baseball team? Tomorrow. How are you gonna be that angry? Lighten up. Have some coffee. Enjoy your day. I'm, yeah, enjoy it. It's, it's a two-run home run. It. You should be excited that Paul yeah. DeYoung Young looks Three great. RBIs.
3: <laughs> He's on pace for what, four hundred and eighty or something like that?
4: I never get those people that are fans and that they don't they're not excited when someone does well.
3: Yeah, we're happy fans. Yeah. I think there are angry fans. I think there are people.
4: It's called Boston, Randy.
3: Oh yeah, there there you go. Yeah. But um yeah, I, I think there are fans, and the the great thing is is that we're all fans, and people fan in different ways. Right, and there are people that even in a they don't really like to enjoy a win because inherently they they like to find the the nitpick the the negative in something and that's cool there's just different ways to go about being a fan i'm a bottom line person if the team wins i don't care if they make four errors and they win the game i that's what i'm looking at same i'm a happy camper
4: brought to you by camping world <laughs> yeah
3: exactly uh next up uh, from the 314 great hot take the blue jays end up playing in iowa this year. Ooh. Field of Dreams.
4: That would be interesting. That would be awesome. Can you imagine being them, though, right now?
3: Oh, yeah, you're nomads.
4: You're nomads. It's got to be a very, very stressful time for them.
3: You are a ship at sea with no destination.
4: Sounds terrible.
3: It kind of (laughs) does. Yeah. Sounds awful. Uh, This from the 314. I don't know if it's a hot take, but Wong goes gold again. That is a hot take, and he has a great chance. Once you win one, doesn't it seem like once you win a gold glove that you have a great opportunity to win the next one?
4: The floodgates open? Yeah. Yeah, and we know he's capable of it. Yeah. He does something all the, almost every game he does something that makes you say, wow.
3: I don't think that in the National League there's a second baseman that's even close. Not with Baez playing short now. I don't think that there's a second baseman defensively. That is close to Colton Wong in the National League, so I'm going to I'm going to agree with your hot take there. Uh, let's see. Here's another hot take: Tyler O'Neill will be the Cardinals' leader in home runs and RBIs this season.
4: Home runs and RBIs.
7: Mm-hmm.
4: He looked good yesterday too. Don't you love today? Based on what we saw last night, today's the day and tomorrow, yep. at least for half of tomorrow, where we can just be so excited about everybody.
3: Hope springs eternal.
4: Today's the best day. Because, you know, while there are certainly question marks and things for us to be concerned about and nervous about, coming coming off a win like that yep. versus the Royals and having some of those question marks be at least for a day exclamation points, it's a great feeling. Really,
3: they looked great yesterday. They did. And we should be excited they won the National League Central last year. We tend to forget that.
7: Right,
4: they're a pretty good team. But the way, the manner in which they lost the the NLCS, Randy, I think that put a bitter taste, a sour taste, in everybody's mouths. They forget that they were in the NLCS. Sometimes
3: teams hit one thirty over the course of four games. It happens.
4: Yeah, sure. Once in history, <laughs> maybe.
3: <laughs> a hot take Thursday. Petro goes on an absolute tear in the playoffs due to being snubbed again for the Norris Trophy. Petro, on a couple of different occasions, has been the Blues' best player in a playoff, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if Petro goes on a tear. He was terrific last year in the playoffs. It was, it was amazing, and I, I really appreciated him more with the opportunity to see all of the playoff games. One advantage to a pandemic is that you get to see the games twice and a third time, but I watched a lot of those playoff games, and you go back and just focus in on how good he was during the playoffs last year. He was phenomenal
4: he really was sensational and not only is he the captain trying to defend his cup he's a guy who you know is feeling that snub as far as the awards are concerned and he's a guy whose future is uncertain he's got a lot to to play for not as if as if defending the cup wasn't enough alex Mm. petrangelo has every reason in the world to go out there and make his presence known
3: Let's get uh, a couple more quick ones in. Number one, my take is that with the Dodgers signing of bets to the contract they did, the Cardinals, if the Cardinals don't make a serious attempt for Arenado because they say they can't afford him when he wants to be here, then they are not deserving of our support.
4: So Arenado wants to be here. If the Cardinals don't pursue him, the fans shouldn't support the Cardinals. I'm following the bouncing ball. Is that right? That's a hot take. It is a hot take. That's a super hot take.
3: Yeah. And this one, the STL soccer team name is going to be the Spirits of St. Louis.
4: Mm, spirits.
3: Spirits of the ABA were one of the great logos of all time.
4: That is one of my favorite 30 for 30s. Yeah. And what a great logo. What a fun team that was. Bob oh, Costas got a start there, right?
3: You get past the pandemic and people just don't care anymore, then you could just go crazy like the Spirits did. Marvin Barnes wasn't, he was crazy bananas it was there's what, a book about him man
4: what did he say when he wouldn't get on the airplane to travel I'm not getting on that time machine dude I
3: ain't getting on no time machine <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, flying out of Louisville taking off at like 737 and returning to St. Louis at 707 or something like that because you're going from the eastern time zone to the central time zone on a 40 minute flight or something like that
4: what would you do if you're the team and you're one of your star players won't get on the plane
3: <laughs> you just gotta laugh that's what they did. And then he would charter a plane and get there at the game time. Game time is on time.
4: That's right. <laughs> we learned that.
3: Coming up, as we get past the pandemic, the U.S. Gymnastics Championships are going to be here in St. Louis next summer. We're going to talk to Frank Vivarito about that and more. Frank, of
1: course, the CEO of the Sports Commission. He's next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
3: Since 1989, the greatest sports commission in America has been the St. Louis Sports Commission, and Frank Viverito is the president of the St. Louis Sports Commission, and even with the pandemic, a lot going on, and Frank Viverito joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN with Carriker and Smallman. Frank, it's always good to talk to you. How are you,
0: sir? I'm doing great, and now I'm even better after being called the greatest sports commission in America. That That's a great way to start the day.
3: Well, I you know how i feel about you guys i to yeah. me the st louis sports commission is secretariat in the belmont back in <laughs> 1973 and who, whoever is second 31 links behind i don't know who it is
0: but well not i'll tell you behind. why we're the best <laughs> sports commission in the- Countries because this is the best sports town in the country.
3: There's no doubt about it. And obviously, you guys were affected by the loss of the U.S. Olympic team trials on yep. June 25th through 28th, but they're going to be back next year, June 24th through 27th.
0: Yes. It, it wasn't the. Uh easiest process because you don't even really realize how many moving parts and and how much has to be done to to you know you don't just move an event to the next year with with hotels and travel and 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 all the precautions that we're taking but but the event will take place in st louis at enterprise center the united states uh olympic team trials in gymnastics before next year's games in, uh, in Tokyo, and not just the uh, uh, what we call the artistic gymnastics championships, that's uh, Simone Biles and, and, and the gold medalists, but we've also got acrobatic gymnastics, rhythmic gymnastics, trampoline and tumbling, and the National Gymnastics Congress all taking place in St. Louis at the end of of next June. And, And so a great event, but a great shot in the arm for the region, too.
3: And Frank, if we're opened up in America by next June and we presume we will be. Hope but, so. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but there aren't Olympics for whatever reason, will the championships still take place even if there are if there's a postponement or cancellation of the Olympics?
0: It's my understanding that the championships, the trials will take place if even if the Olympics aren't Cancelled. Um, America will announce and, and name Olympic teams if the games are postponed again. And and I couldn't even begin to guess, you know, what goes into the IOC's decision making on that. If the, if the games were postponed to 22, then then my hope is we'd be able to to uh, uh, just reschedule the trials again for 22.
4: Frank, another thing that we lost during the pandemic was NCAA basketball here in St. Louis. Everyone yes. was really looking forward to those March Madness games.
0: Especially the Illini.
4: Especially the yes. Illini, Frank, let me tell you. But is that something that we think St. Louis will get a redo
0: at? Well, the short answer to that question is yes. It, it can't happen next year because NCAA championships are bid in cycles. So, so the the cycle for basketball goes through 2022. So right now we're at the end of the bid process um, for all NCAA championships in, in 23 through 26. That's 500-plus championships, and and so my expectation, not just my hope, but my expectation would be that St. Louis will be assigned at least one first and second round uh, or regionals in men's basketball, and this time around we've also... Uh, bid four regionals in women's basketball. And, uh, you know, I, I, again, my expectation is that, that we'll be successful because the NCAA will look out for the cities that lost events in 2020.
3: Frank, I know that you were uh, pursuing the swimming championships as well at the Dome. <laughs> how, how is that pursuit going?
0: <laughs> it's the, uh, the 2024 U.S. Olympic Trials for Swimming. And that is probably since the Olympic Festival in '94. It would be the biggest event that the Sports Commission has has bid for. Um, The bid was submitted to the uh, uh, USA Swimming Organization on July 1st. That event would take place at America's Center and the Dome. We would build two. Million gallon pools, temporary pools, uh, in one in the dome, one in the convention center, and there would be uh, fifteen uh, events over an eight day period, all nationally televised, and uh, it, it would really be uh, a, a wonderful, another wonderful shot in the arm for the region because it, it, it fills over thirty thousand hotel rooms. It, it brings 75 to to $100 million in, in visitor spending and economic impact to the community, nationally televised every day, and, you know, the, the biggest Olympic event short of the actual Olympics. And, and so we're, we're really excited about that. Um, you know, we have a process that, that will run through the announcement of the uh, 2024 site next January, so uh, you know we're hopeful, but the competition will be tough. Um, But it's a a perfect event for this community.
4: Frank, do you have any sort of frame of reference of how long it will take to construct those pools and that (laughs) venue?
0: Yes, one of the one of the things about what the sports commission bids for is it understands the events that it wants to bring here. So we've attended every Olympic trial since. 2004, and we've actually bid for the trials here at America Center uh, for the 2016 event, and and we were edged out uh, for that by Omaha, which has hosted the trials the past four times. It will take about eight weeks to, uh, to build those pools. And I can also tell you that uh, uh, Fire Chief Dennis Jankerson, who's a great supporter of the Sports Commission, is looking forward <laughs> to having him and his guys those two million gallon pools he thinks that would be kind of fun to do and uh uh, but but seriously the the dome is a fabulous facility um for the trials because you can put these two enormous pools in the same structure you know separate them one in in a convention hall one in in the dome um you know you can uh, uh do the same seating arrangement that you had in the dome you know Bring the pool down to the south end of the building like we used to do for, for basketball and then contain all of the fan fest and, and, and athlete amenities, et cetera, in the rest uh, of the building. So it's a, um, it's, it's a heck of a construction project, um, but, but the pool building companies know exactly what they're doing and the transformation in the Dome and the Convention Center would be uh, amazing.
3: That'll be 2024. Frank, before we let you go, I want to swing back to the uh, gymnastics people. And it was sold out, but people that have tickets can use the tickets for next year. But if they want a refund, they can get a refund. Is that
0: correct? They can get a refund until August 17th, and then we'll put refunded tickets back on sale to the public uh, afterwards so that uh, uh, if you didn't get a chance to buy the first time around, you you will for next June.
3: And I had the pleasure of being involved with one of the Sports Commission events about a month ago. And uh, I don't think people are necessarily aware of the fact that they can become a member of the Sports Commission. And there are a lot of cool events that you guys do for your members.
0: Yes. And I would tell you that that membership is probably the best deal in town. It's uh, $250 for a year. And, and we really try to, to connect the sports community so you get an opportunity to meet really interesting people and uh, it's a great way to support the sports commission and and all the information on our events and our membership program is at uh, stlsports.org.
3: Mr. Viverito, we love what you do thanks so much for the time today and uh, have a great opening day tomorrow.
0: And we love what you guys do, and I can't wait for baseball and hockey to be back. Thanks. All right, we'll see you later.
3: Craig yeah. Vivarito, president of the St. Louis Sports Commission on 101 ESPN. Stick around. Take it or leave it is next. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780, and Michelle and I will take it or leave it on
1: 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carricker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We do appreciate
3: your text to the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. And with your take it or leave it's for Michelle and I, here is Scotty Manziara.
6: From the 314 guys, take it or leave it. The Reds are the Cardinals' number one challenger in the NL Central.
3: I will take that. And, uh, yeah, I'll go hot take they're the only challenger in the NL Central.
4: Oh, Randy, the only challenger. Yeah. Chicago it's... Cubs on line one. The Brewers online two.
3: Yeah. They, they just, you're on hold. Just stay. <laughs> stay. <laughs> Here's it's... the thing. I, I just don't see the Cubs being able to, at their age, they have a lot of, they're, they're an older team now. And I don't see them, especially from a pitching perspective, being able to stay healthy enough. And they don't have great pitching depth. And Milwaukee's already got issues with injuries in their starting rotation and their starting rotation wasn't that great to begin with and their lineup isn't what it has been over the course of the last couple of years. I just don't see Milwaukee being a factor here. So I I think it's the Cardinals and the Reds.
4: I think the Reds will be their main challenger. I was reading a lot of season predictions last night, Randy, because I'm so excited. It's like Christmas Eve, Mm -hmm. you know, getting ready to set the table and I wanted to see what a lot of uh, voices around baseball were thinking because this is the most difficult year to handicap. So I was very curious to see how how baseball people were viewing this season. And I found it very intriguing that it seems like a lot of people are counting out the Cardinals. It's almost universal praise for the Reds, universal Mm -hmm. uh, people picking the Reds to win the division. And maybe a couple people threw the Cardinals in there, but not a lot of people across the country have faith about our St. Louis Cardinals.
3: And the last time they saw the Cardinals would lead one to believe that they aren't going to be that great because they lost Ozuna. Yep. And they have an added offense. But the one thing that is going to stand out in a season like this is depth of pitching. And the Cardinals, as we've talked about, have 20 people capable of pitching in the major leagues. And offensively, they should be better. De young over the course of 60 games will be better than he was over 162. Uh, Colton Wong found himself. Tommy Edmond last year came up and performed really well. You would hope that Matt Carpenter will be better than he was last year. Be, be, take a look at the career numbers rather than the one year, look at rather than 500 played appearances, look at 5,000 played appearances. And uh, that's what I'm doing. and then Gold Schmidt is Goldschmidt I think the offense should be good enough with the pitching they have to have them right there at the end don't,
6: and
4: win. Don't you kind of like people counting out the Cardinals, though? Yeah,
3: and I
6: think they do, too. Me, too. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. This one is from the 636. Take your leave, and if the Cardinals play like they did yesterday for 60 games, they'll win the NL Central by four games or more.
3: I don't know if the Reds are going to win
6: 56. So that would be four, because the Cardinals will go 60-0.
3: and 0.
4: Oh, and 0 Randy. No. Okay, got it.
3: So the Reds have to win 56.
4: <laughs> 16-0.
3: Um, yeah, I'll take that. If they play like they did yesterday, and you get uh, that sort of pitching from Michaelis and Carlos Martinez and Kim, and you get that sort of offense, yeah, I think so. Pa- Tyler O'Neill. I mean, th- th- who do you need to step up? You need Tyler O'Neill, and you need DeYoung to
1: step up.
4: Yeah, what well, you saw of Tyler O'Neill yesterday is exactly what you want him to yep. do the entire season. But I... Uh, I'm going to leave it, even though I think what we saw to the Cardinals yesterday, we know that if that's the way that they're going to play for for this entirety of the 60 games, it certainly puts them in that position. I still think we're going to come right down to the wire.
3: It'd be stunning if if after 60 games, it's always down to the wire after 162.
6: Why wouldn't it be after
3: 60? Exactly.
6: From the 314 guys, take it or leave it. The Blues signing Justin Falk was a bad move because they're not going to have any money for Petro.
3: I am going to leave that because they might not have had enough money for Petrangelo anyway. Mm -hmm. That was a proactive move in case Petro left because Petrangelo's agent is essentially the Scott Boris of hockey. They take their guys into free agency and they fight for the last dollar, which isn't a bad thing. But if you're the Blues, how can you suggest to yourself, oh, well, he'll give us a hometown discount when... Nobody's gotten a hometown discount from that agency. So I can totally understand why the Blues would make a proactive move. Like getting Falk and signing him.
4: Yeah, I'm going to leave it because we liked the move at the time. We wouldn't Mm -hmm. be saying that if he had lived up to every expectation we had set for him coming into this season. And I'm with you. I like that they gave themselves some protection because the last thing you would want is to put all your eggs in the Petro basket and then have him leave. And then you're sitting there vulnerable.
3: Then you're reactive. Exactly. And the price for that replacement becomes higher and higher. Exactly.
6: Exactly. From the 503 guys, take it or leave it. Airlines should permanently remove the middle seats.
4: Ooh, take it.
6: Totally take it. Take it. Yeah, it's
3: number one, a safety issue. That's number one, but also a comfort issue. And I don't I don't like somebody sitting next to me. It doesn't matter who they are, really. I don't, that's too tight a quarters for me. Especially now. Oh, yeah, no doubt, the, the safety part of it. Now, you've had to make some really long flights. Have you ever had that person, like, right next to you on one of your super long flights?
4: What, uh, the person that makes it very uncomfortable? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Randy. I had to fly home from Thailand next to a person that, let's just say, didn't respect personal space. Oh. And that was 16 hours. We had to stop over in Dubai. So let's just say we broke it up into 10 and 6. So that first, leg, like, 10 hours and it was brutal.
1: I'll bet.
6: Brutal. Yikes. From the 636, take it or leave it. The Cardinals defense up the middle. I'm assuming this includes Yadi, Wong, DeYoung, and Bader will win two or more gold gloves this year.
3: Yeah, I'll take that. I think mean, Yadi is back mm-hmm. and Wonger clearly.
4: I was just going to say, those are my two candidates right yeah. there.
3: Real Muto is really good. Might win another. And DeYoung was a finalist last year. So he very well could win one too. And if... Bader hits and plays in 50 games There really isn't a A better there might be a tied for First center fielder I don't think that there's a Better defensive center fielder he's An elite center fielder
6: elite Take it or leave it from the 314 Alex Reyes could end Up in a very important role as the Setup guy this year I'll take that I'm
4: gonna gonna take that Too
6: yeah he's got dynamic Stuff
4: healthy Motivated if he, yeah. if he can stay healthy, have the command, there's no reason why he shouldn't be in that role.
3: Now, because of what he did last year, Gallegos should get the first shot at that job. But how would you like to have a six-inning start and then have what we think Reyes can be? But you'd have a mix of Reyes, Miller, Webb, everybody except, if you have a lead, everybody except for Gallegos and Kim. You could turn this into a six inning game very easily.
4: Take it or leave it. Alex Reyes will be the biggest surprise of this 2020 Cardinals season. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah,
3: he'll surprise me if
6: he's healthy.
4: <laughs> if you see him pitch, it's a surprise. <laughs>
6: yeah. Yep. How about one more? All right. Uh, from the 636, take it or leave it. The Cardinals will have a new bat after the trade deadline. Ooh, are they going to get Nolan Arenado? I'm going to leave it.
4: I'm going to leave it, too. Even though I'd like to take it, Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave it.
6: And
3: that's only 30 games. And they do really, truly want to evaluate both Lane Thomas and Tyler O'Neill. So I don't think that they're going to be searching for a new bat after 30 games.
4: Take it or leave it. That new bat will come internally.
3: Oh, that's a good one.
4: Thank you. I'll take You know where I'm going with this one.
3: But I was uh, texting with BK yesterday. You know what Dylan Carlson is. Your opinion of him can't change during a training camp in Springfield against other minor leaguers, right? No. So why wait a month to call him up? If you think he's a difference maker, you either call him up after a week or you don't call him up this year and call him up two weeks into next year. Because why would you want to trade the 162 games of 2027, which you could keep him through, for the last 30 of this year?
4: I'm in the camp of you put your best players on the field, period. Which I know is a crazy idea.
3: Yeah, And I I also understand the economics of manipulating service time. Sure, it's a business. We get it. If you believe that he's one of your three best outfielders, then he should be up here a week into the season. I don't think they believe that right now.
7: Which
4: is a bummer.
3: Yeah. But next year, he'll be here.
4: We'll see him. We'll see him at some point.
3: We've shown, uh, as we saw yesterday, they have a willingness now to part ways with a big contract. Yes. So the last year of a big contract. Yes. Saying. Thank- they'll, they'll
4: admit that if they're wrong, right? Yep.
3: Thanks, Scotty. You got it. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Next up, this is a big day of anniversaries. And Martinez in the rotation and Kim in the bullpen looks pretty good right now.
1: That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
3: 8:05. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We're going to talk blues with our blues insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, coming up in our next segment. Michelle, this is a big day of anniversaries, and you were telling us earlier how cool it is for you to recall Carrie Strug taking a second vault after sustaining torn ankle ligaments on her first attempt to clinch the first women's team all-around gold medal for the United States back in 1996 on this date. Carrie Streg- Strug getting picked up by Bella Caroli and uh, winning the gold.
4: Isn't that one of the most iconic moments in, in American Olympic history? It is. So, to think that she did that on a and an injured foot and that she was able to not only run that fast and then spring off and stick that landing and be able to come through for her team and for her country. It's its a moment that I'll always
3: remember. And you were nine at the time, right?
4: Yeah, I was pretty young, but I loved the magnific- Magnificent Seven. Carrie Strug, Dominique Dawes, Dominique Mucciano, all of those girls. I was just in awe of them.
3: So that's a great memory to have. Also on this date, uh, St. Charles native Mark Burley with the 18th perfect game in MLB history. Now, to get the first out of the ninth inning, Dwayne Wise made an over-the-wall, home-run-saving catch, and then Burley got the second out to lead to this.
1: Alexei!
7: Yes! 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 Yes!
1: History!
3: Hawk Harrelson with the call. And Chris Ranji tells the story that Burley came into the dugout like in the fifth inning and said, guys, I got a perfect game going. Oh,
4: he, <laughs> he didn't have the jinx? No, uh, <laughs> I guess it does, does it count if you say it yourself. I
3: guess not. So pretty awesome.
4: Pretty awesome. And what a call. I, I love calls yeah. where you could just feel the visceral excitement out of the announcer.
3: And Hawk Harrelson would always, with Alexei Ramirez, he'd go, Alexei! So (laughs) when he went to the Padres, I challenged Danny Mac, and we'll talk to him about this uh, when we cross over with him at 945, but I said, you know, every time a ball is hit to him. You should go, Alexei! (laughs) And so when the Cardinals played the Padres, Danny did. It was awesome. Oh my God, that's (laughs) amazing.
4: We'll have to have him do that today. But always, I I love Mark Burley, obviously a local guy, and that was a great moment in sports Mm -hmm. history.
3: Michelle, after yesterday, do you feel better about Martinez in the rotation and Kim closing games?
4: I do, Randy. Do you not?
3: I do. And I was going to feel good about Carlos Martinez wherever they put him. I I, I thought mm-hmm. closer because of the value. And my concern was do they have a guy that is not gonna be shaken by the prospect of getting the twenty-seventh out? Just the, seeing the way KK closed the game out, it, it's not that he got the save. It's the way he got the save that made me, made me feel confident.
4: Yeah, we, I think, approached that decision saying, OK, you're taking Kim out of a starting role, which is what he knows, and you're removing Carlos from a role that we've seen him have success in in a closer, and even though we know Carlos can be in the starting rotation and be very effective. We've seen what he can give you if, and when healthy, I think a lot of people thought, is that the best place to put Kim, but seeing him yesterday out there, he's got the demeanor to do it. He's got the stuff to do it. I love that hitters won't know what's coming. They haven't seen him before. And obviously Mike Schilt knows what he's doing.
3: Yeah. And here's Carlos on being back in the rotation.
7: I mean, I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy because, uh, I was, uh, um, I, how you say that, um, I came from the bottom yeah I came from the bottom and uh, i was uh i was uh, try to be uh strong you know strong with my body and 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 uh, forget about the last two seasons uh, when I got hurt and just uh, focus in this season and and uh, and my opportunity again
4: he started from the bottom Randy now he's here. Yeah. Now he's back in the rotation. That's pretty
3: cool to have him believe that he was at the bottom.
4: Well, he mentioned having to mentally remove the fact that he's been injured. Mm-hmm. And we can look at it from the surface and from the outside and say, hey, the Cardinals told you that this is what you needed to do to physically heal yourself and and get back to a certain point. And we know that he didn't follow that regimen to the letter of the law. And that's mm-hmm. something that caused discontent between the two parties. But you also they have to think about someone who's dealing with injuries and who's probably doing what feels good for them and they think they know their body best and while from the outside we can look at it and say you should listen to medically uh, medical professionals that are hired by one of the best organizations in sports and listen to your bosses it's hard to do that if it's your body and then if you're constantly reaggravating things or you're feeling pain I can imagine going out there and trying to do your job you might have that fear that nagging fear that you're going to reaggravate something or that you're not doing it correctly and so for him to say hey I need to to just remove that from my thinking and say, Hey, we're starting from the bottom and we're rebuilding myself into the starting pitcher." I think it's the right approach.
3: Pretty cool. And uh, we hope that he succeeds. His first start is one week from yesterday. It's next Wednesday at Minnesota against the twins. One other note we should pass along to you. The Seattle NHL team is going to reveal their name today. Yesterday. They turned out a video with a fisherman out at sea up in Seattle And there is speculation, Michelle, that the name of the team is going to be the Sockeyes, Sockeye Salmon. Uh, Sockeyes was a favorite among fans that won a bracket voted on by readers at the Seattle Times. And Todd Lywicki, native of St. Louis, uh, who is the CEO of the Seattle team, previously said the team was likely to announce the team's name, logo, and uniform colors at the same time. So Sockeyes right now is the favorite, although they've got some other possibilities there.
4: Sockeyes,
3: Seattle Sockeyes, salmon. They're named after salmon,
4: sure. Which I know is heart healthy. Get those omega threes in, but it's just not. It doesn't flow off the tongue very easily. I saw a lot of people championing Kraken, uh-huh. Seattle Kraken, which I thought was a great name. Kraken. Think about all the cool things you could do with that. Right. Sockeyes. That's a. I mean, I, I get the symbolism. I get the meaning. I get the alliteration. I get the the regional ties of salmon yeah. fish market Seattle, right. but just. Who are you playing today? The St. Louis Blues are playing the Sockeyes. Yeah.
3: Hmm. What's a Kraken?
4: It's a mythical creature, Randy. A mythical sea creature.
3: Okay. And the other possibilities that are out there include the Seattle Emeralds. No. (laughs) No? Although we got the St. Louis Blues, and they're the Emerald City, but we aren't the Blue City. So I'm, uh, I'm okay with Sockeyes. If Kraken is a cool mythical creature... That they can make a great logo out of. I'm on board with that, too.
4: It's a legendary sea monster of gigantic size in Scandinavian folklore.
3: Who wins a battle between the mythical kraken and the mythical billiken? Who wins a fight?
4: Ooh, Well, I would just think size alone, that a kraken could easily overtake a billiken, but I don't really know what the powers of a billiken are. What sort of magical powers a They're kind of mythical powers. Yeah, they are mythical powers. I think it would be a battle for the ages.
3: Billiken certainly has more athleticism, absolutely. I would think.
4: Absolutely. The speed, the agility. Yeah.
3: So I'm going to go with the St. Louis Billiken over the Seattle Kraken.
4: Yeah, I'm always going to go with the St. Louis team. But I'm, I googled Kraken, Randy, and if yeah. you just go to images, I mean, this is an octopus-like mythical sea beast Ooh. that will swallow ships whole and crack it in half with just one flex of a tentacle.
3: Then they should absolutely go with Kraken. And by the way, I just changed my mind.
4: Thank you. Unless <laughs> the
3: Billiken has some incredible powers.
4: That's what I'm saying. Randy. imagine Ursula from The Little Mermaid removed the lipstick, add a little bit more anger, and you've got a Kraken.
3: Oh, man. Don't they throw Krakens on the ice in Detroit during the playoffs? I think
4: they do. Yeah. (laughs) And and wouldn't you like that whole thing to kind of be diminished and say, hey, we've got a bigger sea creature, a bigger octopus situation going on in Seattle, Detroit? Eh, Forget we, it. We
3: don't need you anymore. We don't need that anymore. They, we don't have to worry about that because they aren't going to make the playoffs anymore. <laughs> so the, that is your fresh take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to
1: talk some blues hockey with Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> It's time for the rutherford report on 101 espn anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey here we go all right we'll, we'll bring jr in on this because
3: seattle is going to announce their team name today i will tell you this michelle and i understand the mythical powers of the seattle kraken but i am watching a video right now in which one honey badger takes down six lions
4: Six lions? Yep. Well that's cool, Randy, because one tentacle on a kraken is equivalent to six lions.
3: So the the honey badger would just take care of six times six? Thirty no, six tentacles? No, thirty six lions in six tentacles.
4: I'm just saying from a fight standpoint, there's absolutely no way a Honey Badger could take down a Kraken. That would be like me in the ring with Mike Tyson. It's not going to end well.
3: Jeremy Rutherford with us on 101 ESPN. Settle this. If the uh, Krakens are the
8: team name for Seattle, will they ever lose a game? Uh, no. They would uh, set NHL records. Uh, I would think they'd do better than Vegas in their first year and win a Stanley Cup. Uh, if you go with the name Kraken, that's just you can't, you can't beat a Kraken.
4: And Jr. now that we've gone through how scary a Kraken is and what a great team name that would be, if they go with Sockeye, the Seattle Sockeye, that's going to be a major letdown, right?
3: I
8: eat Sockeye. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, uh, you know, everybody's so excited about this franchise and hockey, hockey back on the ice that uh, I think whatever they go with today will be okay. But Kraken seems to be... Uh, the most popular choice, the one that uh, people have been talking about for a while, so uh, that's that's my bet there.
3: Jr, uh, I want to get your impressions of the scrimmage yesterday. How close to being game ready are the St. Louis Blues?
8: Yeah, I think so. Quite a, a bit uh, away. Uh, I think that uh, you watch and it just looks it looks fast because we haven't been watching hockey in a long time. But you still see some uh, mistakes out there. You know, guys even shaking their heads. Uh, Randy. So uh, I think if you're talking about seven, eight days into this thing, how would it look? Uh, I think it looks great. Uh, but I think uh, Craig Bruby still wants to seal some things up and they're going to do that the rest of this week uh, before they head off to uh, to Edmonton. And look, it's been since what, March, since they played a game. So uh, to get an exhibition game under their belt, I think would help a lot.
4: Yeah. Jared, do you think it's hard for the Blues to fully find their game when they can't actually unleash their true game on one another?
8: Yeah, that's the biggest thing. I think we were talking to Sammy Blay yesterday in one of the zooms, and obviously one of the heaviest hitters on the team, probably even in the league. And he said, "Look, I can't, you know, just uh, unleash on these guys. I, I got to hold up a little bit." So, you know, he's a guy who's looked really good, but maybe he hasn't to his complete game yet. So, I think that's uh, kind of what I'm touching on a minute ago is. You know, Once they can go up against another team and and get into their uh, full-scale team work, I think that's when uh, we'll start to see more of these things develop.
3: And during the round, Robin, there's going to be a pretty substantial amount of time for practice. My question is, is there going to be rink uh, ice available for practice on those days off in Edmonton?
8: Uh, There should be. Yeah, that's what the game plan is uh, within that bubble. Um, you know, they they when they created these bubbles, they said that uh, they needed three or four extra sheets of ice for these teams to come up in the uh, practice. So I think they'll get that opportunity. And the biggest thing we know, guys, uh, Randy just touched on it, is that exhibition game. You know, originally they weren't even talking about Uh, round robin play for the top four seeds they were just gonna have a bye and go in and play uh, those teams of five through 12 but then they worked in the round robin and then of course uh, you want to play a game before that round robin so uh, that's when they uh, came up with the exhibition game so yeah they will get some practice time leading into that so the blues you know you probably have a little bit of rest by the time you get to that colorado game uh, but i think for the most part they will have had about three weeks and uh, and that exhibition game to get in
3: it probably won't happen, but wouldn't an exhibition game before a round-robin be the ideal time to get back at Brent Seabrook? <laughs>
8: <laughs> yeah, I think it uh, would. If, he, if he's going to be out there, I That's thought there I mean. was some talk, yeah, some talk about the uh, the, the hip uh, injury that he had, and he wasn't going to come back at the uh, end of this season, I don't believe, and I, so I think this pause has allowed him to come back. So maybe the stars are aligning uh, to get back at Mr. Seabrook.
4: I think so.
3: Wakey, wakey, Seabrook.
4: I was just going to say, wakey, wakey, we haven't forgotten. Um, Jer, I think my favorite quote so far about the, the NHL reboot has been Vladimir Tarasenko saying he doesn't need much to live, just a bed and food, which was such a hockey guy quote. It was unbelievable. But do you think that's how the blues are approaching this? Like, Hey, we have the bare necessities. We just are going on a very intense business trip to get this done.
8: Yeah, it's funny because uh, he deserves a lot of credit for that quote first. and, foremost uh but hey look these guys like to be treated well and they're going to be leaving their families and going to uh, Edmonton for potentially two two and a half months so of course they want to have some sort of uh luxury whether it be uh fishing golfing basketball movies so on and so forth uh but but I think what Vladimir Tarasenko did there was just kind of set the tone and everybody else was kind of on board already but just say hey guys we're going up there Uh, to win. And he just said it the best where he says, I just need a bed and food. And, you know, that's uh, the media agreed with him. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I think it's a situation where Craig Berube really has these guys thinking on the right track ever since he took over. And, and, uh, you know, we always talk about it rubbing off on the players. And I think, you know, that stems from from Craig Berube. I really believe uh, how Tarasenko and the rest of the team feel.
3: JR, you have a great piece up at the Athletic ranking, the possible opponents for the Blues in round one of the playoffs. And you do have Chicago at number one. Are you afraid of Chicago, though? And first of all, I don't know where Corey Crawford is in terms of being able to play, but I'm just worried about Taves and Kane for... A four-game series where they aren't used up. Normally, if you play them in the playoffs or down the stretch, those guys are to the point where they're kind of used up. But
8: those guys scare me. Yeah, you can definitely debate uh, those top three. When I say best matchup, uh, if you haven't seen the article, uh, I do have Chicago, Calgary, and Minnesota. Now Kane and Taves. Healthy and rested can scare you, but they absolutely have no defense right now. And uh, Corey Crawford has not participated in Phase Two or Phase Three. Remember, they traded Robin Leonard mm-hmm. uh, tr- before the trade deadline, so you're talking about Malcolm Subban. So the goaltending's in question too. Uh, Calgary, I have next, and Calgary has a lot to prove. If they lose to Winnipeg in the uh, in the play-in, or you know, if they get by Winnipeg and they play the Blues, you know, they could get a little bit of. Of steam. And then you have Minnesota. They have a new coach with, with uh, Dean Evison, and, and they seem to have some momentum behind him. A really good player in Kevin Piala. So to me, that was a tough one. It's hard to pick a rivalry game and say that's a great matchup because anything can happen. I just feel that the Blackhawks are so decimated, especially in goal right now, that that made for the best matchup.
3: And you have the Nashville Predators as the team the Blues would least like to face. I agree 100% with that. I think a sneaky team is Arizona because they were kind of beat up around the holidays until the end of the, the regular portion of the season. But if they get their goalie back and uh, They've got Hall, and they've got so many good young players. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of things there that are scary about Arizona.
8: That's a great call. You look at Nashville, Blues 0 and one against them in the regular season. They don't have a lead against the Predators uh, the entire season series in those four games. Uh, UC Saros played some pretty good, good goal uh, against the Blues. And then you look at Arizona. Randy, I looked it up uh, because the Blues had had so much success against Arizona. I looked it up. 14 and one in a 15-game stretch. That was prior to Rick Tockett taking over for the Coyotes. He's, of course, a really good friend of Craig Groovy. They talk a lot, uh, similar coaching styles. And uh, the Blues against Arizona, since Rick Tockett took over a couple of years ago, 3-5-1, uh, and one. so Arizona's really had the Blues number the past couple of years.
3: Jr. it's always great to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. Go Kraken. See you guys. (laughs) (laughs) That is our Blues Insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford.
2: I
4: can't wait for Blues hockey to resume.
3: It's going to be fun to watch that exhibition game against Chicago because I think, and you mentioned this, there isn't a better team for the Blues to face off against as they prepare for this round robin than their arch rivals.
4: Yeah, if you want to come out flying, there you go. That's exactly who you want to see on the ice.
3: I do think it kind of sucks for... A team like the Blues that is going for it. Everybody that went for it. And then, like JR said, they they bailed. They got rid of their backup goalie. The Rangers uh, are the Canadians. They they sent Marco Scandella here. Yeah. There were a few teams that bailed out on the season. The Rangers weren't one of them. But I, I think it's it kind of sucks that the teams that bailed out still get a chance to play.
4: I know. That does kind of suck.
3: Yeah, but it is what it is.
4: Yeah, I was going to say. Not our problem, right?
3: Right. <laughs> Coming up, it's The Fight on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
1: Smallman. In the red corner, Average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carriker.
4: Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 8.33, which means it is time for the fight. Our challenger today is Josh. Josh, good morning. Good morning. Um, Josh, it's Hot Take Thursday here on 101 ESPN. Do you have a hot take you'd like to bless us with before we get into the fight?
7: Um, I wish I did, but no, I, I'm not prepared for that.
4: <laughs> That's all right. No worries. All right. You're just saving all your heat for the competition, right? Exactly. All right, Josh. Question number one. Baseball returns tonight as the Yankees will take on the Nationals at 6 p.m. You can hear the game right here on 101 ESPN. Max Scherzer gets to start for the Nationals. What team drafted Scherzer back in 2006? Was it the Diamondbacks, Nationals, or Tigers?
7: Um, I believe
3: it was the Diamondbacks.
6: All right, question number two for you, Josh. We talked earlier this week about Petro not being a finalist for the Norris Memorial Trophy. Who was the last player to win the Norris Memorial Trophy for the Blues? Was it Chris Pronger, Al McInnes, or Barrett Jackman?
8: Pretty sure that was
6: Pronger.
4: All right, Josh. Question number three. Who is the oldest player in Major League Baseball history to get an opening day start? Was it Nolan Ryan, Tommy John, or Big Sexy Bartolo Colon?
3: Big Sexy is old. I don't know if he's got an opening day start in a while, so I'm going to go with Nolan
6: Ryan. And final question for you, Josh. We've talked a lot about who should be in the outfield for the St. Louis Cardinals, but when we look back to the last World Series team in 2011, who was their opening day starting center fielder? Was it John Jay, Colby Rasmus, or Corey Patterson?
3: Uh, had to be Colby Rasmus.
4: All right, Josh, checking the score here randy is making his way back in the studio randy as you get settled in here please say good morning and hello to josh
3: josh good morning thank you very much for listening thanks for playing great to have you with us how you doing doing good uh hopefully i have better luck against you in the morning than i have in the <laughs> afternoon <laughs> well we appreciate you being involved
4: all right, Randy, question number one. As we know, baseball returns tonight as the Yankees take on the Nationals at 6 p.m. Randy, I don't know if you're aware. You can hear that game right here on 101 ESPN. I
3: wasn't aware of that. What time? 6 p.m. Oh, well, we'll be tuned in.
4: We'll be locked into that. Max Scherzer gets the start for the Nationals. What team drafted Max Scherzer back in 2006?
3: The first team that drafted him out of college. No, he was undrafted out of high school. And then he got drafted by the Arizona Diamondbacks.
6: Alright, question number two for you, Randy. We talked earlier this week about Petro not being a finalist for the Norris Memorial Trophy. Who was the last player, blues player, to win the Norris Memorial Trophy?
3: I don't know if Pronger or Chopper won it most recently. Um, Pronger won it when he won the MVP in 2000. And I don't think Al won it after that. So I'm going to go with Pronger, and I think Al won it before that. I'm going to go with uh, with Pronger in 2000.
6: All righty, question number three. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, oh hey, gosh, hey, my goodness. I'm, just, whoa, whoa, I'm whoa, jumping whoa, in front whoa, of you, whoa. Michelle. Somebody
4: getting a little too comfortable here. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. A side note, Chopper, all-time nickname.
3: Yeah, it's fantastic. Great nickname. For a hockey player.
4: Randy, question number three. Who is the oldest player in Major League Baseball history to get an opening day start?
3: It almost had to be Nolan Ryan at like 46.
6: All right, now it's my turn. Uh, (laughs) Question number four. I'll I'll tag you in. (laughs) We've talked a lot about who should be in the outfield for the St. Louis Cardinals, but the last time they won the World Series in 2011, who was their opening day starting center fielder?
3: 2011 Cardinals opening day center fielder. Hmm. It seems like it should have been John Jay, but let's think about this because
6: I'll do the lifeline just in case here. All right. So your options are John Jay, Colby Rasmus, or Corey Patterson? Wasn't Corey Patterson. I'm,
3: I'm Colby. They they thought a lot of um, at that time. I'll go with Colby.
4: Okay, so we have a tie. Ah. Both Josh and Randy got all four correct. And with the new rules of the fight, we have a tiebreaker question.
3: I like tiebreakers.
4: So, Josh, here's how this is going to go. I am going to read the question. There are no options. You are going to answer the question, your best guess. As you're answering the question, Randy is going to write down his answer. Yes, And we're going to make sure that he is writing it down before you answer. So there's no cheating going on here. Not that Randy would ever do that. He's not from New England. (laughs) And if if neither one of you gets it right, it's closest to the number. Okay. So, Scott, we're going to need you to do some math here.
6: Okay, I'll do my best.
4: Because you know that I'm not capable of it. All right. (laughs) Josh, here is your tiebreaker question. In Cardinals opening day history, how many total wins do they have?
3: Oh, tough question. I know. Just as the Cardinals, so right.
4: Yeah, in Cardinals opening day history, how many wins do the Cardinals have on opening day?
3: Okay, I'm gonna guess they're around 500 and say 52.
4: Okay, okay.
3: And I am going to go with 70. (laughs) Oh Oh, my goodness! We've
4: got a winner. We do. Suspense, Randy. Go crazy,
1: folks! Go crazy! We have a winner and still champion, Randy carecker Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs.
4: I am so sorry, Josh. Mega mind strikes again just like a Kraken. He came in with the correct answer right in the nose. It is 70. The Cardinals have 70 wins in Cardinals opening day history. Let's run through the answers here for all four questions. The Diamondbacks drafted Max Scherzer back in 2006. It was Chris Pronger. He was the last Blues player to win the Norris Trophy in 2000. The oldest player in MLB history to get an opening day start was Nolan Ryan, 46 years old. And the opening day, starting center fielder back in 2011, was Colby Rasmus. Josh, amazing fight. Thank you for playing.
3: All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. That was total luck. For real? Oh, yeah. I oh, thought you
4: had to know it. You, you got no. the answer correct. How, okay. Take us through your thought process here. How did you arrive at 70?
3: Well, they became the Cardinals in 1901, and here we are in uh, 2020. So that's about 500, right? 70, not not really, but a little bit over 500. So I just figured uh, they probably won more than they lost on opening day, so I just picked a number out. That was it.
4: Pretty good number to pick.
3: Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Michelle does so many great things for our community. Michelle and Learn are involved with the American Cancer Society with uh, some great things in terms of trying to benefit people and raise money for research for cancer.
4: Thank you, Randy. Yes, Learn and I from Casey, we have partnered together in the support of the Research Hers campaign. It's a great campaign that supports women in STEM who are working so hard in the fight against cancer. And we know that even, even though cancer doesn't quit, It's still a business right now. A lot of people are suffering more than ever, and the American Cancer Society uh, was affected just like a lot of other businesses were out there. So if you go to my Twitter page, at Msmallman, you can see a graphic that shows how vital it is that we support women in STEM leadership and how important it is that we continue to support the American Cancer Society in their quest to eradicate cancer. We have a link there where you can read more about this initiative. And if you're feeling generous on this Thursday, you can donate.
3: So there you go. Just go to Michelle's Twitter page. I also retweeted it so you can find it on my Twitter page. Michelle's Twitter page, by the way, is at msmallman. Yes. As is her Insta page. And I am at Randy Carricker on the Twitter and at RJ Carricker on the Insta. On the gram. On the gram.
4: I have a feeling, Randy, tomorrow when we're live downtown ballpark village, mm-hmm. Bush Stadium, Cardinals opening day, that there's gonna be a lot of great content coming out of you for your uh, for your Instagram page.
3: Oh yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, we're, I just I see the content
4: time. wheels moving.
3: There, I've been thinking about that. You're right. I'm bringing <laughs> the selfie stick.
4: You are. Yeah. You know, I've never seen the selfie stick oh. in real life. I've only seen the disdain of the selfie uh-huh. stick on social media from your fast counterparts.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm bringing it. And the Cardinals do kick off the 2020 season tomorrow night against the Pirates at 7:15, and we will be live all day from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. with the entire 101 ESPN lineup there broadcasting just steps away from Bush Stadium atop the Budweiser Brew House rooftop deck in Ballpark Village. Opening day coverage on 101 ESPN all day tomorrow brought to you by Saliga Heating and Cooling and by Rawlings. And with the season upon us starting tonight at 6 o'clock here on 101 ESPN Michelle and I have our fearless predictions. They're coming your way on 101 ESPN. Baseball season starts tonight 6 o'clock with the Yankees and the Nationals here on 101 ESPN and Michelle Smallman and Randy Carricker have our fearless predictions sure to go wrong as we start the 2020 <laughs> campaign Scott Manziara, why don't you
6: lead us into the categories all right guys so uh, let's let's start with the NL Cy Young Michelle
4: Randy I, I know a lot of people are going to think this is a homer pick, but I got to go with Jack Flaherty. I know people are going to say, what about Walker Buehler? What about this guy? What about that guy? Jack Flaherty is very capable of winning a Cy Young. And I think it, we saw an unbelievable half of baseball out of him last year. If he can just replicate that for 60 games, I know it's a, it's a tall ask. If he can even come close to that, I think he's walking home with hardware this year.
3: I am also a homer, (laughs) H-O-M-E-R, and I am going to go with Jack Flaherty as well. I see him as the guy, and especially with the opponents that the Cardinals get to face, having the opportunity to face both the Pirates and the Tigers multiple times, I think that works to his advantage. So I've got Jack Flaherty winning as well. National League MVP. Michelle, for me, that is Cody Bellinger, who is going to lead the league in home runs and RBIs this year.
4: Wow, I have one of his teammates, Randy and Mookie Betts. Ooh,
3: I was thinking about that.
4: Walking away with the NL MVP. I mean, he just signed the deal. He's got a lot to prove. Or actually, maybe he has nothing to prove since (laughs) since he signed the deal. But either way, I think we're going to see an outstanding season out of Mookie Betts.
3: I'll tell you who I thought about it, and then I did some research, and he kind of scares me, is Christian Yelich, who apparently has not looked good at all during Summer Camp 2020, brought to you by Camping World.
4: But you know what he's capable of.
3: Yeah, especially when he plays against the Cardinals. That's right. Although they did figure him out after the first series last year. They were better against him.
4: I keep wanting to compare people to Krakens now, and I'm thinking, is <laughs> Yelich a sleeping Kraken? Is he just lying in wait at the bottom of the sea, getting ready to he, attack? He might
6: be. He might be. Kind of scary. So I've got Bellinger, Michelle has bets. NL Manager of the Year.
4: Randy, we talked about this earlier in the show. Not a lot of people giving love to our St. Louis Cardinals when it comes to the NL Central. The Reds are the darlings of the NL Central. And the Reds look like they're going to be good this year for the first time in a while. I think David Bell is going to get a lot of recognition. I'm giving him NL Manager of the Year.
3: This might be a preview from me of things to come. But I'm going to go with the guy who's won it before, and I believe this year, with the way his team is projected to finish, and with what he'll get out of them, Joe Girardi
6: wins National League Manager of the Year. Philadelphia. Let's move over to the AL. How about the AL Cy Young?
4: We probably have the same thing, right?
6: Yeah, it's
3: pretty easy, right? Garrett Cole it's is the be guy, Garrett Cole. right?
4: How about this? I will be shocked if it's anyone but Garrett Cole. Yeah,
3: I, I agree with that. And I think the only person close would be Verlander.
6: Right. Now, how about the AL MVP?
4: So, Randy, this is the first and I guess this is the first ember of what are going to be my hot takes okay. that go through our picture here. I think the Angels are built very well for the 60 game setup. And I think Mike Trout is going to have a great 2020. I think he's your AL MVP.
3: Shocking. Shocking.
4: I mean to say, Mike Trout wins MVP is not that hard to take there. No, but a lot of people aren't picking the Angels, and I. Some people are. Some people are saying, "Hey, watch out for the Angels," but not a lot of people are giving them the love that I think they deserve in the sixty game setup. And I think "Mike, Mike Trout. We always talk about how he's the best player in baseball. It's only appropriate that with all the eyeballs on baseball in this shortened 60-game season, because I think a lot of people, casual people, are going to be watching baseball that they haven't in the past. Mike Trout's going to shine bright.
3: How many games did you say they're going to play? 60? This This season is set up for one Aaron Judge to win an MVP. Right? Because he only plays 60 every year anyway. That's
4: right. He's built for this. He's He's actually built for this.
3: (laughs) So I'm going to go with Aaron Judge. And again... I believe, like Bellinger in the National League, Judge leads the American League in homers and RBIs.
6: How about the AL manager of the year?
4: Again, Randy. A lot of people are going to think I'm being disrespectful to the A's, maybe to the Astros when I go through my AL West picks, but I think the Angels are going to have a great season, and I think we're going to see Joe Madden, who a lot of people love, get the nod for the AL Manager of the Year.
3: Ooh, good. Our friend Greg Amsinger has the Tampa Bay Rays playing in the World Series. Wow. And even though Kevin Cash didn't win it last year despite doing a great job, I think this is the year for Kevin Cash of the Rays to win Manager of the Year.
6: Let's move on to the playoffs. We'll start with the NL. Who's going to win the NL Central? Oh, we know. Cardinals. Yeah, they're in. They're in. Right. That was easy. How about the NL East?
4: This is where it gets tricky.
6: Mets. Braves. See,
3: I'm, I am I think the Braves will be affected by the loss of Nick Markakis, and I know they signed Matt Adams, but and they still have Ozuna, too. But I, I just wonder about their offense. And again, after what happened last year in the playoffs, I just don't know if they'll be able to sustain New York. Even with the loss of Cindergard. I like the idea of having a guy like DeGrom at the top of your rotation. And then you have Stroman. Uh, and no team benefits more from having the DH in the National League than the Mets with Yohannes Espitus. Their offense will be good. The NL West...
4: I think we're probably in lockstep yeah, here. it's
3: prohibitive. Dodgers. Who, who, who else? The, the, the question should be who finishes second in the West. Right. And some people are even picking the Giants. I think the Padres finish second in the West.
6: All right, now we need two wild cards from you guys. Michelle?
4: Randy, I'm going to go with the Reds and the Nationals. Since we have the Cardinals winning the NL Central, yep. if the Reds are going to be anything that they're projected to be, I think they're right there, too. And I think you have your defending World Series champions and the Nationals coming back and making some noise.
3: I was really concerned yesterday when I heard Greg talking about Scherzer only throwing in the 80s, and the loss of Rendon is huge for them. I think the Nationals miss the playoffs. Wow. I've got our two picks for Manager of the Year making it. I've got the Reds as a wild card, and I have the Phillies as a wild card.
4: The Phillies are going to be very fun to watch this year.
3: They are. and they're right at the back end of the Jake Arietta career, but Nola is a really good starting pitcher. Uh, I think Girardi can handle a bullpen, and they can hit, and especially in that ballpark, they're going to hit a lot.
4: If there were fans in the stands in Philly, mm-hmm. Philly this year, do you think Bryce Harper is getting more cheers or boos? Cheers. Okay.
3: He'll have. He won't win the MVP because Bellinger's going to, but he'll have an MVP quality season. Randy, Randy,
4: oh. Randy, you mispronounced Mookie Betts.
3: <laughs> the
6: Dodgers. <is> <laughs> A Dodger the MVP. is going to win
4: NL MVP. That, we should just say that. That's yeah. our, hot, our hot prediction. A Dodger A is going to win, win MVP. MVP
6: yeah. Well, you guys were just talking about the Dodgers. Uh, do you think they're going to win the NL? Are they the NL champions? Yes, prohibitive.
4: Yes, and yes.
6: Yeah. All right, let's move over to the AL. Who's going to win the AL Central? Randy, I've got the Minnesota Twins. Good call. We
4: talked about how the Cardinals are going to see them early, and I think that's going to be a big indicator of what they're actually going to be, but a lot of power there.
3: 300 home runs last year. Do they hit 100 in 60 games? Capable of it. They are. I am going to go outside the box here, and I'm going to go with pitching. I'm going to go with the Indians, and I really like, even though they traded Trevor Bauer and they traded Corey Kluber, they still have Luke Clevenger. They still have Carlos Carrasco coming back, Shane Bieber, uh, Plesac. They have a really nice young rotation that I think can be dominant, and I do think that Terry Francona is the best manager in the American League for a setup. I'll do respect to Joe Madden. For a setup like this, or the 60-game setup, I think Francona is the best guy. All
6: right, let's go to the AL East. Yankees. Yankees. Yeah, they're... Easy enough.
3: Yeah, they're too good. <laughs> I, I think Tampa Bay is getting a lot of love. I think the Yankees are just better.
6: Now This is an interesting uh, division this year. The AL West.
4: A lot of people are looking at the NL Central to be the most in- intriguing, or at least mm. the, the most parody of any division in baseball, the AL West is going to be fascinating.
6: It
3: is. And I think most people probably are picking Houston. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm, I'm, picking, not either. I'm picking Oakland.
4: And I'm going one step below that, which a lot of people have ranked third in the division. I think the Angels are are going to really make some noise, Randy. I, I believe in them. I believe in their talent. We've already mentioned Mike Trout, Rendon, Otani. And Joe Madden talked about Albert Pujols, how this could be the, the perfect setup for an Albert Pujols-type impact season. And here's a guy who not only already has that fire burning within him, but has been in a Tony La Russa clubhouse. Mm -hmm. He knows what it's like to put your foot on the gas for an extended period of time.
3: I don't know if 60 games is enough, but there is nobody, nobody among managers in baseball better at making a mediocre pitching staff good than Joe Madden. You go back to those 2015-2016 Cubs teams until they got Chapman, the way that he was able just to kind of make a bullpen. pretty, And he gets guys that have never, well, he's kind of like Dave Duncan. He gets veteran guys that have talent, and he makes them better than
6: they've ever been. All right, I need two AL wild cards now.
4: So I have the Yankees winning the AL East. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely sneaking the Rays in there. Me too. And since I have the Angels winning the AL West, even though I, I'm reluctant to do it because I have such disdain for them, i got to put the Astros in as well.
3: Same two teams. I've got Houston and I've got Tampa Bay. And I, I'm rooting for Dusty Baker to have success. I think a lot of people, w- if making emotional picks would probably keep Houston out of there, they're too good to keep out of there. Even without cheating, they're still at least a wild card team.
6: We'll find out, won't we? Yeah. Can we all agree on the AL champion here? Yankees. Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get to our World Series and the World Series winner from both you guys. Okay. We've both got New York and LA.
4: Yep. And this isn't me making this pick because of an LA disdain. Uh-huh. I think the Yankees are going to walk away, the World Series champions in 2020.
7: Uh,
3: the Dodgers have become pretty good at losing World Series, That's and right. I see no reason why that should change this year.
4: They find a way you got to give them credit, Randy. They find a way.
3: Yeah, they're impressive. It's through no fault of their own, apparently. But they do find a way to lose the World Series. And the Yankees are just better. And they're going to get healthier as the season goes along. So I have to go with New York.
4: you got that pitching staff anchored by Garrett Cole. You've got Stanton. You've got Judge. They just have, I think, too much firepower.
3: Yeah, and the back end of the bullpen. Their their bullpen is still really good with Chapman and Adovino and uh Green and and that gang. So Yankees over Dodgers in the World Series, we all agree. Thank you, Scotty. You guys got it. And those are your predictions. And we're going to put those up on the website, 101ESPN.com, and you'll be able to pick on us at the end of the season when we get them all wrong. (laughs) Next up, (laughs) well, it could happen.
4: Brandi, You have to project positivity. What if we get them all right? Well, one of us will get them all right.
3: Yeah. So then we should have gone to Vegas, or at least gone online and made an illegal bet.
4: Definitely. Also, do your predictions typically go awry because mine do, which made yeah. me think I shouldn't pick the Cardinals.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah, that happens. Definitely. <laughs> Next up, today's big thing on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: We have a potpourri of things to discuss on today's big thing. Michelle, let's start with this, though. If people haven't heard, the Toronto Blue Jays were going to play in Pittsburgh, but Pennsylvania, the government in the state of Pennsylvania said, nope, not so fast, and they said no. They quashed the idea of the Blue Jays playing their home games in Pittsburgh. They can't because of the federal government's rules in Canada. So where should they play?
4: I had heard Buffalo, Randy. Still
3: talking to Buffalo. Still
4: chatting with Buffalo. What are some other options? Hartford
3: has offered up Dunkin' Donuts Park to them.
4: I've been there. Uh, Hartford Yard Goats. Yes. And it's a great little stadium right there. And, you know, I don't know if you've heard Randy, but the slogan for Hartford is that Hartford has it. So,
3: has it. it. it.
4: <laughs> they just have it. Hartford That's what, what they say. Hartford it. has it. Now, I don't know what it is, but hmm. they have it. So that could be a selling point.
3: Also, A report. Yeah, because Hartford has it. They could just change it to Hartford has the Jays. Exactly. So would they really, let me put it this way. If you didn't want players to be going out, would you be okay in Hartford?
4: Randy, if you want players to have absolutely nothing to do, Central Connecticut is the play. (laughs) Okay. I moved to downtown Hartford when I moved out west to work for ESPN. A woman who works for the network, kind of, or that they, I guess, outsource, kind of shows you around. And most people live in West Hartford, which is kind of more of a... It has a cute little downtown area, whatever. Um, but the prices for places much higher. Downtown Hartford, not as much activity. Places more reasonable. I'm thinking, it's a six-minute drive. What's the difference? I would come home from work, Randy... And there would be tumbleweeds on the
7: streets. (laughs)
4: Absolutely no one downtown Hartford. No one.
3: So the play, if you want to have a major league team that stays quarantined, is downtown Hartford, Connecticut.
4: Downtown Hartford. They would have absolutely nothing to do other than bond with each other. And it's, like I said, Dunkin' Donuts Stadium, great ballpark. Very, very nice facilities.
3: And, by the way, the Athletic reporting this morning that the Blue Jays expected to play their first home series in the nation's capital at Nationals Ballpark. So there are still possibilities out there. I like our idea best of having them just play in the road cities. And that's another one that's been broached is just to play every single game as a road game.
4: But can you imagine if you are a fan of that team or if you're involved in that organization? And here we are on opening day of the baseball season. And you're still having to navigate yeah. through these waters.
3: Inexcusable again. Right. That, that's Rob Manfred. That's his deal. Right. He he has to be there has to be some forethought there. To say, okay, what happens if Canada says the Blue Jays can't play at home? Because we can't cross borders here. There's a rule in place. Canadians are not coming to America, and certainly Americans aren't coming to Canada, but they don't want people crossing those borders without quarantining. So somebody should have had some foresight there in the Major League Baseball offices.
4: You asked Dan Schulman about this, what, a month and a half mm-hmm. ago maybe, saying, hey, I know that there's some some issues with the, with the government and restrictions at the border in Canada. What's going to happen with the Blue Jays? If you're asking those questions a month and a half ago, don't you think the people in charge should have been also planning yeah. for this To maybe inevitably happen?
3: Might have been a good idea.
4: But again, it just seems like a lot of things are are reactive and not proactive with this, but that's what happens when you spend weeks and weeks and weeks bickering over money yeah. and not over logistics. Good point. But you know what? We, we've turned the page on all of that because baseball is here, Randy. Baseball's back. Baseball's back.
3: Michelle, your National League MVP, Mookie Betts, has agreed <laughs> on a 12-year $365 million deal that keeps him with the Dodgers for the next 13 years. So it's going to wind up being a 13-year deal worth about $375 million with this year's prorated salary with Mookie getting his deal in L.A. Mike Trout in Anaheim in basically L.A. for the L.A. Angels is the highest paid player in baseball. So you've got the two highest paid players in baseball now residing in Southern California.
4: After you saw what the terms of the deal were for Mookie Betts, how would you feel if you were a Red Sox fan?
3: I would be mad.
4: I would be mad too. Even though I think from the outside we can look at the deal and say this isn't going to end well, probably. No. They They usually don't. They typically don't. I, I would look at that amount of money and say, we could have kept it.
3: <laughs> well, I think this is in part a pandemic deal, though, too, don't you? Probably, because yes. if there's no pandemic, he's probably much closer to Trout's deal, which is 430 in that range. So it, it really is, for him, an incredible deal because I do believe that the back half of this contract is not going to be pretty. Albert's, I, I predict that Albert's back half of his contract will be better than the back half of Betts' contract.
4: Hot take Thursday. There you go. Yeah.
3: So 180 pounds, man. It's hard to keep playing and being good. Albert's a, a sturdy guy. And maybe Betts will wind up being a DH. Here's the other issue is if my NL MVP, Cody Bellinger, does win the MVP, aren't they going to have to wind up paying him more than Betts?
4: His asking price will go up, no? You'd think so. But if you win one World Series with Mookie Betts, is it worth it?
3: Yes. Because it here,
4: is. here's a franchise who's gotten so close and had unbelievable heartbreak. If you win one World Series, you write it off as a win.
3: I'm with you there. Yeah. I, I always look at that. It doesn't matter how much you pay. If if you get a World Series out of it, it's a World Series championship, it's worth it.
4: That's the goal, right? Right. We're signing these players to win.
3: And obviously, star power is a big thing in Los Angeles. That's why LeBron James is there. Uh, That's why Cody Bellinger has turned into the star that he is. That's why Anthony Davis wanted to come. Uh, That's why Jalen Ramsey?
4: Jalen, that's the selling point. (laughs) No right, It's the stadium. That's the oh, selling that's point. Oh, that's the
1: star. Oh wait, that no Nobody one can go to can it. Can go to. No.
4: They're in a world of trouble. I anyway,
3: think. Jessica Mendoza of ESPN says that Mookie in LA is a good thing.
5: Mookie Betts is one of the biggest stars in the game, and I'm excited that he is going to play for one of the biggest franchises, and we're going to see him for a long time. There is no one, I feel like, body type-wise, personality-wise, set up for a major, huge contract better than Mookie Betts for over a decade because of what he's able to not only do in these next five or six years, but even on the back end, where, again, there's a lot of skepticism. I mean, he is a small stature guy, super athletic, and it's not that Albert Pujol's huge person, then as you're starting to age, you see those numbers start to decline. I am pumped not only for L.A., but for baseball because we get to see a whole lot more of Mookie Betts.
3: We do get to see him, but I'm still not convinced. I'd rather take the 230-pound guy and, hey, when you pass 35 and there are no steroids, then your numbers are going to descend over the course of that time between 35 and 40. But I'd rather take my chances with a guy like wouldn't we all rather take our chances with a guy like Albert than Mookie Betts?
4: I would, based on what we what we saw at that time.
3: Yeah, Albert Albert was pretty unbelievable. Was, and that, when you look at what he did, what he's done with the Angels, it's actually not too bad. It relative to what he did here, it is. But a lot of teams would like to have his Angels career. In his Angels career, he's only hit two fifty eight. But his averages have been, let's see. Hold on, let me get to it. Uh, he's at 211 home runs in eight years. That's pretty good. He's dri- driven in 746, and he's had a 764 on base. I, I, I think a lot. The, the, it's not worth the price, but I think a lot of teams would like to have it.
4: I think the issue there is a couple things. First of all, he was never going to be able to replicate what he did here in St. Louis on that contract. So you're automatically going to look at the price and you're going to cringe knowing that you're not going to get that level of sustained production in Anaheim. I think the fact that they haven't won a World Series, people are going to look at it and say, hey, it's not worth it. And I think the fact that he plays in Anaheim, a lot of people do not have eyeballs on that team. So you just, I think a lot of people generally look at it as a failure because they're not watching him play on a day-to-day basis.
3: Yeah, that's to me the biggest issue is that he wasn't, able to maintain his stardom, even though he's in L.A. and he's well, quote-unquote L.A., but in the second biggest market. I think that you're a much more visible baseball player in St. Louis than you are in Anaheim. They're on a lot more national TV. Mm -hmm. They have a much greater national fan base and I think his milestones would have been bigger deals as a member of the Cardinals, not just because he would have still been a Cardinal, but a lot more people would have seen it happen as a St. Louis Cardinal than in a, as an L.A. angel.
4: Without a doubt, which is why, circling back to what Jessica Mendoza was saying, I, as a baseball fan, love that Mookie Betts is in L.A. with the Dodgers. I love that in a sport that is desperate for some star power, that we have a guy like him who is a dynamic player being on a team that gets talked about mm-hmm. all the time.
3: Yeah, that part of it will be good. Like, he was in Boston, but Dodgers, the Dodgers fit that mold too. Exactly. Coming up,
1: you're killing
3: me, Smalls
1: on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
3: Looking forward to tomorrow, John Mozalek is going to join us, Bob Costas is going to join us, among others, and we are going to be at Ballpark Village. We're going to be at the top of the Budweiser Brewhouse overlooking the ballpark, and we're looking forward to you joining us here on 101 ESPN. All day, everybody is going to be there from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., and it's all brought to you by Saliga Heating and Cooling and by Rawlings. And right now, it's time for... You're
4: killing me, small... Randy, we mentioned it off the top, but I think it's worth bringing up again. We haven't really talked about it a lot today. The Cardinals uh, putting out some news yesterday. They placed Brad Miller on the 10-day injured list and that they released Brett Cecil.
3: And I think we could argue that that four-year, $30.5 million contract that they signed to Cecil to is the worst contract given out in Cardinal history. Obviously, Brett Cecil tried. He, He wanted to be good. Nobody wants to scuffle and be hurt like he did, but he was not good when he did pitch, and he was hurt a lot, and I know that the Cardinals had a lot of respect for how hard he tried to come back from the injuries, and mm-hmm. it just didn't work out. Hopefully Brad Miller, who was going to be the left-handed DH at the start of camp, will come back and be healthy at some point, and I, he's kind of out of sight, out of mind for me. I haven't really thought about him during summer camp, but hopefully he'll be okay, and at least for Brett Cecil, he is set up for life.
4: And you always want someone to succeed. It, it was a bummer that it didn't work out. But if you're the Cardinals front office, while well, you know you're not going to hit every single deal, it's not going to work out 100% of the time, if you're John Mozeliak, do you look at something like a Brett Cecil signing and maybe have a little trepidation heading into other big signings
1: like that?
3: I look at the Cardinals' 25-year record of signing left-handed relievers as free agents, and I say never again. They traded for Steve Klein He was fine They traded for uh, Ray King He was fine They brought up Kevin Segrist He was fine But if you look at the overall record Of their signings of left-handed relievers It is abysmal Scott Radinsky spent his career on the uh, disabled list Uh, They brought in Ricardo Rincon Uh, Obviously, you look at the, the, the Cecil There are about 10 names, I've got them written down About 10 names of lefty relievers That the Cardinals have signed as free agents And none of them have worked out It's been a really bad track record
4: you're killing me, Smalls. So, Randy, a lot of teams in the NFL have said, they've already preemptively said, hey, we're not going to have fans this year. The Jets, the Giants, among a few of the Rams have said that. Uh, you know, we already knew that anyway. They yeah, didn't need they to make the announcement. Yeah, yeah. They, they knew. Um, but hey, we're going
3: to have fans this year. Yeah? Okay, tell us something we don't know. <laughs>
4: We're like, yeah, we, we anticipated that. <laughs> we, saw, we saw the ticket sales. But anyway, uh, a league spokesman, Brian McCarthy from the NFL, said that if fans are going to be allowed into any venue this season, they're going to be required to wear face coverings. So you're going to have to wear a mask mm. if you go to an NFL game.
3: Wonder how that'll go over in the great state of Texas. It'll be interesting because you know that Jerry Jones is going to try to get people into his stadium, right? Exactly. I wonder how that'll go over. If it's an absolute requirement of the league, if it's a league rule, think about mad people got with the clear bag policy. Mm -hmm. So if they have to wear masks, they're probably going to stay at home and watch it on TV.
4: Well, that was going to be my question to you. What do you think wins out the anger that some may feel over wearing a mask or their love for their team? And the fact that they haven't had sports in a long time, and you haven't had football and that they have the opportunity to go.
3: I think people that have season tickets generally want to be at the game and at the atmosphere and they are going to be wearing their masks for their tailgate. They're only going to wear their masks when they get really really drunk and get into the stadium and then probably when they get up to their seats probably going to take the mask off is an usher really going to come up and say hey I have to put your mask on especially if there's a hundred people no it's not going to happen so they'll go into the stadium they'll go through the turnstiles with their mask on get up to their seats and the mask will be removed. It's my belief.
4: But then what if they're shown on TV? Then you have a whole lot of questions to answer through that organization. So I would think that you would have ushers or whomever having to monitor and or enforce these rules.
3: Oh, yeah. Just like the uh, cross ownership rule that they have to enforce.
4: Oh, yeah.
3: Don't worry about rules. They, they, rules are, hey, we, we are a league of rules, but we're also a league that really doesn't care about them once they're broken.
4: <laughs> Fair point. Fair, Randy. <laughs>
7: You're killing me, Small.
4: Okay, so I saw this and I wanted to get your opinion on it. There's going to be an upcoming film, Randy, about the life and times of Vanilla Ice. And Dave Franco is going to play Vanilla Ice.
3: Perfect casting. That's fantastic. His life is apparently more interesting than I knew it was, Mm -hmm. if they're making a movie out of it. Do you... Do
4: you want me to give you the, the elevator pitch of the movie? Yeah, sure. From a high school dropout selling cars in Dallas to having the first hip hop single to top the Billboard charts with "Ice Ice Baby,"
1: <laughs>
4: a young Vanilla Ice struggles with stardom, extortion attempts, and selling out as he makes music history.
3: Are they going to do the home flipping or whatever he's doing now? Doesn't he? Isn't there? A, doesn't he do a home flipping show or something like that? Didn't
4: he have a rock tour too, or didn't he change? style of music may have 65780
3: if you know more about vanilla ice than we do
4: (laughs) which you know what is probably anything
3: it's not going to be like the queen movie right it's not going to be probably like the elton john movie but it has a chance to be interesting as long as they don't directly copy his life and add a little bit of artistic license to it, it it could be interesting
4: here's a real question Even if his life is interesting, and even if you think Dave Franco is a great casting choice, because Mm -hmm. it seems like it's a great casting choice, do you care enough to spend money to see a movie about Vanilla Ice's life?
3: Absolutely not. No (laughs) chance. No. And if that's the first thing they're going to produce coming out of a pandemic after closing (laughs) down Hollywood, then we've run out of ideas for movies, and we should just do remakes.
4: Yeah, I was, I was reading this, and at first I saw, I was like, Dave Franco, sneaky, looks like Vanilla Ice. Great call. Yeah. And then I thought, is the world really clamoring for a Vanilla Ice movie?
3: The, some people in the world could. How about this? The Vanilla Ice Project has been on TV for nine seasons. And what channel? It, is, it premiered in 2010, and uh, let's see... It's a new house and more up-to-date and state-of-the-art improvements. It's a home improvement show. And I think it might be on HGTV, but I'm not positive. I'll find out for you. Yep. It's uh No, DIY. DIY Network. Do-it-yourself network. So he, uh, he rehabs houses. The Vanilla Ice Project. So that's got to be part of the movie, too, doesn't it?
4: That's what it's called, The Vanilla Ice Project. Yeah. And it's about homes.
3: About home projects, yeah. At home, do-it-yourself projects.
4: If I saw that there's a TV show, you know, if you're if you're scrolling through your guide there and it says, "Hey, coming up next, the Vanilla Ice Project," I would think it was some sort of makeover show or a rap show. I would I would never ever ever in a million years think it was about Holmes.
3: Yeah, and he he flips the homes. Ten seasons. And It has, uh, let's see, in addition to winning the Telly Award, the Factual Entertainment Award, and the uh, Hermes Platinum Press Award, the first season of the Vanilla Ice Project was selected as a finalist for the Cable Facts Awards. I don't know any of those awards, but it is, what he can say, an award-winning show.
4: I just Googled him. I didn't know he dated Madonna. I didn't either. You know.
3: He said, okay, it's a worth a movie. It's a prol- prolific life.
4: This is why people tune into this show. You never thought you were gonna tune in at at nine twenty six and hear some fun facts about Vanilla Ice
3: and Madonna. Uh, who hasn't Madonna dated besides it's, me?
4: It's a it's a long roster.
3: Yeah, a long roster of people she has.
4: Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah,
3: no doubt, impressive. Thank you, Michelle. You got it, Randy. Hey, 10 years ago, one of the great events in sports history occurred. And we're going to talk about the man who achieved that milestone next on 101
1: ESPN. We are right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Curtis Granderson sliding in to, to make it five four. There goes Benji again
2: to center field now could this be a triple come on benji
1: get going kiddo you come got on, benji.
2: you got the cycle big guy get,
1: get there get there he did it <laughs> pigs have flown in boston massachusetts
3: it was 10 years ago that Benji Molina had one of the most unlikely cycles in the history of baseball. Benji's going to join us in a few minutes here on 101 ESPN. Of course, that took place at Fenway, where if you get the ball out into left center and the catch isn't made, you can run for a while. And he he had to run for a while, and he did, and he wound up with the triple, and as you heard The the announcers from the Rangers say pigs flew that day in Boston as Benji Molina hit for a cycle.
4: What a great call that is. You can hear the excitement in their voices that they think, oh, my gosh, this is actually going to happen.
3: Yeah, we're going to ask Benji about that. And it's amazing when you think about the fact that each of the three Molina brothers has won a world championship. But you think about the overarching quality of Yachty and how long he's played and how well he's played. And for us, he's a Hall of Famer. There's no real questions in our mind. The only question comes from the numbers nerds and the people that really only focus in on the the war stats and the, 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 the overall numbers rather than looking at some nuance in the sport. Yachty is one of those guys that if you're... A baseball fan and you see the way he handles a pitching staff and you know the way he plays defense in addition to the way that his offense has improved you say yeah that's a hall of famer but there aren't not everybody is on the same page in terms of evaluating players
4: it just truly blows my mind that someone could look at the body of work that he's put together and not think that that's hall of fame worthy
3: yeah, he's he's caught in four World Series, he's been the best catcher, he's been a platinum goal, uh, platinum winner, he's got eight gold gloves, he's been remarkable. And Yachty's brother Benji joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Benji's going to be a busy man during the 60-game season. Uh, how are you, sir? Great to have you with Michelle Smallman and Randy Carricker.
7: <laughs> thank you, thank you so much for having me on your show, uh, It's going to be great, man. We're going to have fun. Obviously, it's a weird season. Everybody knows that. But uh, we're going to try to make make the best out of it. And we have 30 games, 30 games at home. That's what we're doing, me and Paul.
3: Benji, one of the reasons that we wanted to have you on is because uh, last week was the 10-year anniversary of you hitting for the cycle in Boston. Can you tell us (laughs) what your memory is of that triple that you got to complete the cycle?
7: Um, the whole memory was memorable, man. It was really, really cool. It was amazing feeling. You know, I, I just got traded, you know, and I'm trying to get used to my teammates, and, and we were fighting for a playoff spot and all that, so um, I think it was so emotional for me because I know a lot of kids, uh, a, a lot of players that have way many more goals than I do have never done it, and for Benji Molina to do a a uh, cycle is pretty, is pretty amazing, so I was pretty excited. The triple, I was thinking about it, and I said, you know what, if these guys fall down and these guys <laughs> drop the ball or something, I'm heading out. I'm going. I don't care if I get thrown out for 20 feet, but but I'm heading. I'm going to try it, and, and luckily enough, uh, it worked out, you know?
3: Hey, I've never asked you this, and I, I've always wondered this because you were a big part of the Giants that year that beat the Rangers in the World Series. Did the Giants give you a World Series ring?
7: yeah yeah they uh they gave me a ring uh it was pretty cool i mean it was like i said um, i think it's uh it's very weird when you get traded and all of a sudden you're facing your old teammates. <laughs> it's pretty weird but um but it was okay it was okay i had, I had a blast and i did i did good with all those guys.
4: Benji, I saw this stat from John Morosi on social media earlier today, and it says that Yadier Molina will start his 16th straight opening day at catcher for the Cardinals. With that, he breaks a tie with the Yankees' Bill Dickey for the longest streak of opening day starts with a single team of any catcher in Major League Baseball history. Uh, what What do you feel when you hear that? You know that Yadier's had such a legendary career already, and we know about the longevity, but just to think that, once again, he's etching his name into history. How does that make you feel?
7: Um, well, obviously, uh, I have a I have a different feel than most of you guys. I I think I, I see him as a professional player, and he's unbelievable. I think he's a Hall of Famer for sure. Uh, but I also see him as a little brother, you know, and just watching him grow into the person he is now, into the Hall of Fame guy that he is now, it's been amazing. It's been an amazing journey for me to be watching it, and it's been an amazing journey lately. I had a chance to coach him one year. I had a chance to uh, a chance to uh, 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 do these games in Spanish. Uh, it's been very, very, very special.
4: And Benji, you don't have that longevity if you don't preserve your body. But one of the things that we've observed out of spring training and, of course, summer camp is just how unbelievable Yachty looks. He, he looks like he went in a time machine and he shaved 10 years off of himself. What has he been doing in the offseason and, and during the quarantine, even during the pause to take care of himself?
7: I think it's it's all training, you know, obviously he's trains like a crazy guy. He's a really, really dedicated person and uh, he's a great athlete. So I think uh he runs like three, four, five miles every single day, uh, sometimes twice. Um, I think uh it, I think that's how you keep in shape also is you have to have dedication to be like that. It's not it doesn't happen so easy. So I think he has both of those, and that's why he makes it happen, makes him look this way.
3: Have you ever gone to Yachty, Benji Molina, and said, Hey, I, I want to work out with you for a week?
7: <laughs> um, I never have been brave enough to say that, so I'll stay away from him. He Let him train all he wants, and I'll watch him from the side. <laughs> <laughs>
3: there you go. Hey, uh, we know that your time is limited, Benji, but we want to know how good you think this Cardinal team can be over the 60 games.
7: Oh, that yeah, pretty excited, and he's excited about this team. He, he sees a lot of them, uh, a lot in them, and I. He, he said that they were very d- deep into uh, into a bench, and very deep into bullpens, very deep into a rotation. Everybody's kind of uh, healthy, and he sees them good. So, I, and then the only the, every time that I see the Cardinals and I see them practice and games, they look they look good to me, man. They look ready. They're ready for the challenge. Um, they can't wait to get on that field, and that's what matters, you know?
4: Absolutely, Benji. And another thing that a lot of people think are working in the Cardinals' advantage is the leadership that they have in place. In a season full of so many unknowns, and a season that might be hard to, uh, uh, you know, acclimate to without fans in the stands, etc., having guys like Wayno and Yachty be the veteran leadership on your team has to work in your favor.
7: It is 100% true. I think it's uh, it's the key of that clubhouse, you know, having Waino and and Yadi there still, you know, I hope they can stay for a couple more years. But um, the, having those two guys controlling everybody, controlling everything in there, that's why the clubhouse is probably special for them, you know, just because they have those two veteran leadership in there.
3: Hey Benji, we wanted to congratulate you on the 10 year anniversary of that cycle. That was one of the cycles that <laughs> I, I've ever seen.
7: And uh, hey, I, I always, I always laugh, man. I always laugh. I always, uh, um, it's a, it's a very memorable for me. But but also, you know, Willie Mays had the best tools ever, probably in the game, and they never had one. And that's my deal. So I have one more cycle than Willie Mays. Isn't that cool? That's fantastic. <laughs> so cool.
3: <laughs> hey, good to have you with us. Have fun with these 30 games. We'll uh, hopefully see you around the ballpark, and uh, we appreciate your time as always.
7: Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you. We'll see you around, okay? You, you guys take care. You too, Benji.
3: scoops with Danny Mack coming up at the top of the hour here on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy with Carriker and Smallman closing this one down and it was great to have Cardinal Baseball yesterday on FS Midwest and I know you enjoyed it and you and Ricky were socially distanced
2: and did a fantastic job. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun to be back, a lot of great fan response. I think uh, no surprise people missed it and they wanted to have baseball back, albeit without the fans and it didn't matter. Baseball was back and it was a diversion, a distraction, and uh, it was great. Great to be back, Dan. If I leave town
3: for a week and come back for me doing a show, there is a groove that I get into mm-hmm. in terms of broadcasting. What about you doing baseball? Do you do you have to get in because you sounded fantastic yesterday? Like you'd done ten games the
2: ten days before. Is there a baseball groove that you get into though? I was, you know, fortunate enough for me. You know, I've worked with Ricky forever, and I've worked with Brad, and I've worked with Jimmy, so that, that part isn't tough. I, I mean, I know when he's going to talk, I'm going to talk. Um, I kind of know where the partners want to go. They're all different, so I know their strengths and what they would like to talk about. You know, Ricky being a former pitcher can get into things that he wants to talk about, but for me, it was I think it was good to do those games without fans uh, on Cardinals.com. Mm-hmm. I really do. I, I, it was just beneficial to be down there and just kind of have no fans and see what it was going to be like and it was going to be different. Um So, yeah, there is a little, I, I think, a groove, but honestly, it takes me, uh, I'm not kidding, it takes me like one batter mm-hmm. and I'm ready. I'm ready to go. So, no, not really. I'm just, I've done thousands of games, yeah, so right? I'm just ready to go and, and just excited. And um the thing I think that's going to be a, the challenge this year and, and going forward, I did think about this during the game is not having access to the players and the coaches mm-hmm. and that is the 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 benefit is all these networks look at okay we can save a dollar or two by not traveling people i do think you and this is not self-serving you're going to have to challenge uh to travel the broadcasters because where we get that that inside info man it is so important to find out what is happening with your yeah. team. So when we have a chance to be on the bus rides and the flights and go into Mike Shields' office sometimes, for me, when we're on the road, sometimes I'm bored. I literally will go to the ballpark at noon mm-hmm. and just hang out. Mm-hmm. Just just hang out in the clubhouse, go into Mike's office, just shoot the bull and that's you know great. find out what's going on in life, find out what's happening with the team, watch him make out a lineup card, and that's when you find out the inside information. And... We don't have that this year, and that is going to be the challenge for me this year. How can I, and it's a great challenge, I love challenges, how can I try to get inside information that I never have, and so yesterday I tried, so at one point, if you are watching the game, I talked about Carlos Martinez and a spin rate of 3,000, which I normally don't get into, because I try not to get too technically sound, because again, and I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but... We have the older audience. Do they really want to hear about a spin rate of 3,000? Probably not. Do our younger audience, do they like it? Your son would love it. Mm-hmm. He's into that. The middle people, eh, they're okay with it. They love. Some people love stories. Some people don't. Some people just want you to say ball one, ball two. I mean, you're dealing with a huge, uh, broad audience of age groups of what they like. And I try to mix it all in. So when you talk about a spin rate of 3,000... Well, now I've appealed to the analytics. Now I can try to make that appeal to, well, what what does that mean? What does the 3,000 mean? That means his ball is moving all over. In the scope of having a spin rate of 3,000, what does that mean? That means that his ball, when you compare it to other major league pitchers, not many guys get to that exceptional rate, and that means that his ball is dancing Mm -hmm. so when you're watching him today folks and he's getting that kind of pitch that means his movement is all over the place so my point is there's a challenge of trying to give people information that maybe you're normally not thinking about as you're watching the game and that's going to be the challenge this year
4: that's water cooler stuff dan that you can provide to viewers and they can retain it and then they're going to regurgitate it the next day to someone because it's going to make them sound smart I hope so. That's exactly, yeah. but that's valuable to, to well, our audience.
2: You know, I, that's why I love, you know, I'll give a great example. Like we were in Seattle last year, right before the all-star break. And I said to Paul DeYoung, I texted him, I said, Hey, you, congratulations on being named an all-star. Can you meet me for coffee in 15 minutes and let's go bang out a 20 minute interview. And uh, Paul said, absolutely. So we met for coffee and we went to this little private thing. We did an interview And I sent excerpts of that interview to Joe Buck to use for the All-Star Game. And I texted Joe um, some really cool stuff about how he was learning Spanish. Um, There was three other things I sent him. And he read it verbatim on the All-Star Game um, that night on Channel (laughs) 2, which went to the world. So those are the things that I mean that when you're with the team... You get stuff that you normally would not get if you're just sitting at home. So um, that's the kind of thing that we have to remember. Challenge yourself as a broadcaster. Give people things. Use your relationships, your text messages, your phone numbers that you have to really – to to be – you know to to give people stuff that they normally don't get it was really cool the other day I heard from Paul DeYoung I heard from Paul Goldschmidt not to drop names but they just said hey it was great to hear your voice uh on a streaming game and if you need anything give me a call I'm I'm here to help I mean that that's just That's good. That's that's very helpful and that's the relationships that I've tried to develop over the years to where guys are willing to help.
3: And I thought under the circumstances that we have that you're describing Uh, Yesterday, your broadcast, including Jim Hayes and Erica Weston did a really good job in providing us information that uh, unless we're
2: getting it in the media, it's not readily known. Jim has done a great job. I have not had the chance to talk to Erica all that much. Um, Jim, I talk to a lot uh, and that's no disrespect to Erica. I just, I know she's got a lot of different things going on with hockey. um, Jim's more so on the baseball and with the hockey getting going, she's trying to get ready for those broadcasts. But Jim, also with the relationships of the players i know he spoke personally off of zoom calls to bader so what you got with mm-hmm. what he was talking about with bader mm-hmm. even though he didn't say it that was a personal conversation yeah. he had with harrison bader um john mosey actually texted me in the middle of the game and said and that's going to be interesting too because i know i'm going to screw up a bunch and say something he's going to say oh and i'm going to get a text and he says that's not necessarily right you know go this way and he's really helpful with me, too. Like If I screw up something um, on the game that technically might not be right on, let's say, a 30-man roster or with all these goofy rules, he'll say, hey, you know, um, this is the, the rule on this guy. He actually has an extra year of this, and this is why we did this. And it's just it, the Cardinals with me – are great in helping me do my job like not cor- not trying to correct me and say, "Hey, you need to say this this is not about they don't do that ever to me ever they never, ever do that. they never muzzle me never they'll just say to me what would you like me to say? Well, that, that like that right say? on cue, Siri go. came on. That was Randy's that? phone. But they will say to me, um, you know, hey, here's the, the actual rule, you know, yeah. of Major League Baseball. So, you know, on the 40-man, this is why the guy's on or off or whatever. So they, they help out. And it's, this is funny because Randy's phone just went off on Siri. Absolutely. You asked it a question and you ask, it'll answer. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Siri just went off. What do you want
3: me to say? Yeah.
2: <laughs> so that's they, they're just very helpful in that regard. What about Dylan
3: Carlson? Uh, and I know that uh, BK and Ribs were talking about this yesterday, and Jamie was talking about the idea of holding Carlson off for 30 games and bringing him up for, bringing him up for September. But your clock still starts. So is it worth it to bring him up for 30 games, where he's not going to be any more known after 30 games than he is after a week here? So do you trade? 30 games in 2020 for the 162
2: that you could get from 2027 well i, I guess the the question is certainly you wouldn't bring him up i don't think in the start of the season and i guess we're going to find out in an hour when mm-hmm. rosters have to be um sent into major league baseball because the then way, you- apparently dean is going to make the team right well, Brad Miller goes on the I.L. Yeah. So I'm going to have Mark Saxon on. We're going to try to talk a little bit about the roster and how that, that uh, plays out. You know, I guess the question marks would be Whitley, Oviedo, Austin Dean, and Edmundo Sosa would be the guys that are kind of floating out there and how they want to mix and match. But um, And Dean does have major league experience, so that helps. Sosa does too. Um, but in terms of Carlson, so if you wait six or seven days... Then you buy another year of of um, major league time, right. um, but to the bigger point, they whether or not that was on the table, they still want to give Tyler O'Neill a chance. Yep, and O'Neill has played well in the summer camp, and he had another bases loaded double yesterday. Scored two. They like what they've seen out of late Thomas in the last week. I know fans are going, come on, you know Dylan Carlson. A- I get it. Yes, he's he's looked good, but this was the the plan going forward anyway in spring. So. Now the bigger question is let's say you're you're 30 games in, okay? And let's say that those guys aren't playing well or another player like Fowler or Bader is just scuffling or gets hurt. Or gets hurt. That's mm-hmm. the other part of this. Injuries are a part of it. Then yes, I think Dylan Carlson comes mm-hmm. up and you say and baseball as a whole, let's let's look big picture. Let's say baseball as a whole is moving forward and you feel that you're going to finish the season and you feel you are going to have a postseason play um, and that everybody's healthy enough and that this is going to happen, then yes, I I do think that they would be fine in in bringing him up. I really do.
3: My only question would be, whether it's a week or four weeks, how much can he convince them that he's a difference maker in – a month of summer camp in Springfield. Well, I think he, he could be a difference maker. I, I think he can too, but their feelings about him shouldn't change between no. now and then. No, I,
2: I wouldn't think. So, I mean, I'm they gonna, know what they got. They yeah, they know right, they've yeah. got a player. So
3: if I'm going to have him up, I'm going to have him up in a week. And if I'm not, if I'm going to have him up after 30 days, then I might as well wait until two weeks into next season.
2: That's the decision they have to make. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're facing that right now. Right, and they're business at the end of the day, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, by, by the way, business is pretty good in L.A. for Mookie Betts. Yeah, how about that? Woo. Well, I guess that was being discussed pre-COVID, and it just carried mm-hmm. over, and they, you know, true to their word, kept the the um, the contract going. But it is interesting that they kept it, and it's what three sixty-five over right. twelve and or ten. Add
3: I, in this year, it's going to be a thirteen-year. It's a twelve-year deal. Okay, so it, but when you add this year thirteen and because of the pro rated it would have been 392 but because of the proration it's 375 13 great 375. for baseball uh, if you're a yeah.
2: baseball fan that's great for baseball cody bellinger's a happy man sure he is <laughs> uh, i think if you're any player that's great for baseball it is no doubt. you know it's a great thing for baseball it's great to have it back i'm excited to watch the game tonight i'm excited about tomorrow and i you know what really s- struck me and i'll bring it up with um, and i don't know if it, it got to you guys too do you have to go to Schnucks today, or I do not care. Okay, no. I don't, don't want to go long stretch here. Stretch this
3: out
6: as long as we you know, could.
2: Um, but but, but my my going too long no, here. No, this or? is great. Okay, so when Dozier got uh, at the end of my show yesterday, so Dozier, who's going to be a middle of the bat kind of guy for the Royals, gets COVID nineteen. Um, I'm like, wow, that's that's a big player for them. He had a pretty good year last year for the Royals, and all of a sudden, Michelle and Randy, it's like, okay, he got it and. Just move on, you know. That's just what it's going to be like this year in baseball. And think about how things have changed. How once
3: Rudy Gobert got it, all of sports shut down. Everything shut
2: down.
4: Shut down.
3: Yes. And now a guy gets it,
2: and well, he's out, and we'll put him on the COVID list, and he'll be back. And and the Royals doing the research for the game yesterday. They they've been hit really hard. Yeah. Really hard. Uh, Pitchers. Salvador Perez, mm-hmm. who's, you know, their cleanup hitter yesterday who hits a home run, he had it. Apparently a lot of their guys were asymptomatic. Most of them were. Good. Um which is is good news. I mean, but you, you don't know,
3: want to spread it. That's the big issue. Is yeah. it. you don't want to. I was, and then, thankfully they're getting tested on a regular basis. I was
2: very concerned. I, I did ask their people if he was on the plane to St. Louis. He was not. So it was found out, I guess, the the day before He did not get on the plane, um, and they're doing their due diligence. There's a rhythm to all these teams now, kind of rinse and repeat, show up at the ballpark, there's testing, they find out about the previous tests. Guys are being very honest if they feel any kind of symptom whatsoever. I mean, anything. They've had guys that said, hey, I've got the sniffles, go home. I mean, I was talking to a member of the Kansas City Royals. They had a couple of uh, people that did not feel just a – just Slight symptoms. And they said, just go home. No problem. We got your test and and nope no big deal. And they were back the next day and they said, Hey, I feel great. And they did I just wanted to be diligent about it. I I didn't want to feel like I was going to spread it if I had it. And they mm-hmm. said, Nope, don't have it. And they said, Great, I feel great the next day we're back in. Like Mo said, you just have to be smart. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's the whole the, sport. The big test uh will be this week with well, the the, the subsequent weeks uh weeks too, but with all the travel and mm-hmm. getting to hotels and the planes and that kind of thing. But um, away we go. Let's do it. It's going to be fun. Yeah. We're looking forward to you and Big Sexy. Yeah. Always fun to visit with Mark. We'll, we'll cover a bunch of ground, get into uh, what the roster may look like in baseball tomorrow night. Can't wait. Yeah. Should be fun
3: uh scotty has been our producer engineer scotty manziara great job thank you thanks randy uh, michelle this was a, another fun day
2: we're rocking and rolling with fun days
4: it was a fun day randy tomorrow's going to be the most fun I, day. I do
2: have a quick question yes sir so the blues because i'm i'm like baseball centric uh-huh okay so the blues they're doing their thing they got training camp right yep. everybody's good and everybody's healthy right to Ed, edmonton them. this weekend so that that's what my question yeah. was so they they leave what sunday I believe Sunday, and then
3: they have a game on the twenty ninth against Chicago, mm-hmm. and then their first game is a week
2: from Sunday against Colorado. Mm-hmm. So they bubble August up, second. bubble down, whatever you want to <laughs> bubble it up, yeah, bubbleicious, and we, away we go. Yep. Hashtag LGB, wow, and Tarasenko, awesome. And I was wa- sports are back. We are going to be gluttons. We're going to. This is like
3: the when. Um, you were I'm dating giddy. Uh, I, when you were dating Libby. Did yeah. you have to do Thanksgiving? Let's, let's be, keep it clean here. Oh Randy. no! Uh, did All you right. have to do Please. Thanksgiving at two houses, like your your parents, uh, your mom's house and and yeah. her parents' house? Yeah, that's what this will be like in terms of sports. Is that you'll have to have multiple
2: Thanksgiving dinners? I like it. Yeah, wear gloves. It's great. Belt buckle is you know big
3: time. Wear your yeah. sweatpants. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, I call it a Dunlop disease when you're belt Dunlop over oh. your, you know. <laughs> <laughs> have a great show. All right, thank we, you.
3: We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Tomorrow we are at Ballpark Village, the entire show, the entire day, as a matter of fact. Are you with me? I am in okay, the good. Uh, 10 o'clock hour. Good. Can't wait. And uh, for all of us, until tomorrow at 7, have a great day, St. Louis.
1: That was the Carrier and Smallman Podcast on 101
3: ESPN.